I feel like I should have acknowledged this about myself probably years ago. Okay. But last night, <laughs> I made this kind of observation about how my body works. And I, I think it's just not. This isn't, this isn't more poop talk, is it? No. We got I some wanna, bad I feedback want, on that. I want, I want our singles of people to listen to the whole episode. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so there's this whole thing about me that I can impulse sleep and I can sleep at any point. And it's kind of fun. My God. uh, It's so jealous. But so like, I, I kind of feel like there's just something off about like something different about my body because like, as long as I'm doing something, mm-hmm. my body doesn't really get tired. Yeah. But then the second I stop, my <laughs> body's like, cool, doom. And like, <laughs> and like my body is so okay with sleeping compared, like in direct contrast to the fact that I just hate sleep conceptually because I yeah. want to do more stuff. Right. But so like last night I was watching anime and then it was like 3.30 and I was like, ah. I should go to bed. And so to like wind down, I turned off the TV yeah. and I looked at my phone mm-hmm. and then I scrolled TikTok for another hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And then like it was five o'clock and I was like, where did the time go? Well, you Why also lost, tired? You lost an hour. You lost an hour because of daylight savings yeah. time. So yeah, so it was like mentally four o'clock. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it was still four o'clock. Four o'clock is still pretty late. <laughs> I had that last night too. And yeah, it took the time remembering the time change. It was like, it's three o'clock and I don't feel tired at all. This sucks. <laughs> right. And I was just like, man, why, why aren't I like at all sluggish right now? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, fine. It takes this willpower to just let go of my phone. So I turned off my phone, put it down. The second I put my head down to start sleeping, it was like, cool, I'm super tired. Let's go. And See, this is where I'm jealous. I like still minutes. I still had like half an hour of tossing and turning before I was yeah. able to get to bed. And like as a kid, I remember like that was me too. Like it it legitimately would take 25 minutes yeah. after declaring I'm gonna go to bed for me to fall asleep. I don't know at what point in my life things change that I could just fall asleep on command. But like I had, I I've, I've also gotten better. Like mm. now it's, you know, half an hour <laughs> when, when I was like teenager, you know, college, early twenties, I would regularly have at least like one day a week that I just would toss and turn all night. And I just never fall asleep. And and I just like got used to operating on no sleep one day a week. Interesting. Terrible. It sucked. That's crazy. Like it's weird because my body was like the polar opposite in like my young adult years. Like I could go the entire week off of like two to four and a half hours of sleep. Yeah. As long as you one got one day a week, I got some sort of massive amount of sleep mm. that just made up for everything. Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting that we had like sleeping polar opposite <laughs> lives at around the same time. You're right. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's like, it, it it's not like a self-conscious thing. Cause it's not like this is detrimental to anybody's health, but like, I was like, man, my body is 
wired very differently. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm only now like coming to terms with it. Apparently like it's, it's more than just like, Oh, I could sleep whenever, wherever it's fine. But like, I, I I legitimately think there's some sort of weird switch in my brain. Cause like, as long as like I am minorly stimulated, I do not get tired. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second I remove stimulation, my body's like, all right, I'm out. Like, cause I'll just, I'll fall asleep when, when my wife is watching a show that I don't care about sure, or I'm riding in a car and we're not having a conversation. I just pass out. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's perpetual. It's not even just like a thing about me at the end of the day. It's, it's literally all yeah. day. If I'm not doing something that I am actively interested in, my body's like, cool, check out. <laughs> 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 oh man. Anyway observation at oh also you know what i got last night at like last night? four in the morning my goodness i got a cold call text about uh something about it's a it's a text message trying to get me to click a shady link oh boy at 508 in the morning i've been getting the do you get the like amazon spam texts that go that are like sent from an email address Ooh. Maybe once, but not very. Okay. Not, I've been getting a lot much. of them, like Amazon, Venmo, Google, like a lot of weird spam texts uh-huh. that are sent from an email address. It's very strange. Mine just says all caps. Dick will be <laughs> all caps. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a slightly different tone. It, yeah. Maybe, all caps you, dick will be all caps massive within six minutes of taking tech uh website. Oh wow. Okay. And like this is legitimately the first time I've gotten that kind of a cold call text message solicitation. Yeah. And I don't know what in my life has changed that like my phone that would like lead my phone number to be added to this kind of a cold text. Yeah. <laughs> I ordered it's- a lot of comics on Amazon a couple days ago. Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, strange. It's the uh the you up text, but <laughs> it was the you up text. I was so confused because I was like, cause the pop-up showed up on my phone and I was like who's calling me a dick at five in the morning this is rude and I legitimately thought it was Carlos I mean I was like this bitch (laughs) it sounds like Carlos right and then I read the whole thing well I guess no (laughs) I guess he's not working right now but you know getting up at 5 a.m or like you know he's already at the job site like that's works construction and and he likes to call people dicks he also likes to call and text people for no reason, because apparently, quote unquote, butt dial. But like, also, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's not a butt dial. You stupid. Night. There's like, I don't know. I don't understand. His butt how is Carlos that functions. big. <laughs> 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 it's like the series of buttons that need to be pressed. Also, how is your Unlock phone not locked? Phone. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Right? Yeah. A prehensile butt here, just like dude, beep up boop up beep. <laughs> as soon as they invented the touch screen, <laughs> like butt dials dropped d- drastically. Yeah, but he still figures it out. 
And it's not even like a a, my Bluetooth headset did it because he doesn't have that kind of tech. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. So all that is to say, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm the chipper one, and I'm going to lord it over you this whole podcast because that never happens for me. I had a cup of tea. I'm fucking ready to go. It's awesome. I've got a monster. I'm ready to go, man. Let's do this. Buddy Will Freeland, talk about the comics that we read, things that we're hyped upon. Well, what'd you read this week? I'll tell you what I read. I I read one extra one because I felt like the books that I had read were quick. Cool. I read a little bit less than I said I would. (laughs) Cool. Okay. (laughs) I'll even tell. So I read five books. I got the obnoxiously oversized. Electra, oh, right. Black, White, and Blood. Black, White, and continuing the Black, White, and Blood concept, not series, but. Right. Yeah. Like a uh, theme mm-hmm. or concept, I guess, works too. Because, you know, anyway, Miss Marvel Fists of Justice, which is right. basically it's three issues. It's a three issue arc of Miss Marvel team up, basically. Okay. <laughs> Iron Cat. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ant Man Antiversary. Yeah. And I was. Looking at the cover, and I was like, there's a fourth That's right. Ant Man mm-hmm. thing on here. Uh, I wonder if it's going on. Oh, that. to be clear, not Ant Man thing, Ant Man thing. thing, but not thing yes. like Ben Grimm, right? Thing. Fucking Marvel, god damn it. Oh, Lord, Marvel, you're making this real hard on me. <laughs> and then I read this lowercase non proper of- noun thing. There's <laughs> one shot of New Fantastic Four. Hell in a handbasket. New Fantastic Four. Oh, oh, this is the the Wolverine Ghost Rider team. Wolverine Ghost Rider, Spider-Man, and Hulk. Crazy ass team. Yeah, and I didn't I know fully... they did that before. Right. Yes. They they were Back like in the 90s or something. They were yeah, they were like a maybe f- one story length mm-hmm. long team up of uh Fantastic Four replacement. Yep. But yeah, so like I couldn't tell from the cover <laughs> if this was like a fill in a history one shot or like a, mm, a yeah. rehash or like a regrouping. Totally. But it's Gray Hulk okay. in a suit. And so mm-hmm. Mr. Fix It era. So yeah. it ended up being set in the past. Because okay. Hulk right now is a smash knot. It wouldn't make sense from the show. <laughs> it sure fucking is. <laughs> <laughs> so so I read I read that literally last night because I was like, man, I want something hopefully more fun to, to talk about. So those are my five books for this week. All right. I had Gambit issues 16 through 19 in annual 2000. I was going to read through 22, but I started reading number 20 and I was like, oh, this is a recap issue We're 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 getting we're kind of circling the wagons for the finale. So I'm going to save 20 through 25 as the end of the series ah. and read that all in one run. Cool. cool and cool. then I also read cable issues 79 through 84 and Wolverine 150 through 153. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I so mean, you only dropped a couple issues. It's not so bad. Yeah. I'm excited for this Gambit freaking read. I know. I teased Gambit. it hard enough last week, right? I also have mm-hmm. a comically large bowl of popcorn. <laughs> excited about that. That's cool. Yeah. Down for this. Yeah, this is a uh, snack-heavy um, yeah, podcast. This is what happens when we move our podcast up by a couple hours. I know. We're like, oh. <laughs> our weekly routine is completely thrown off. Shattered. <laughs> Oh man, Rachel is is constitutionally incapable of making just like a normal ass amount of popcorn, <laughs> which doesn't bother me at all. Man, popcorn. Alana likes popcorn. Now, have you noticed I go back and forth between saying Alana and my wife? Mm. Like, I never, I, I don't keep her anonymity <laughs> intact to right. any degree. But on Twitch, I try to be better about it. Try to keep yeah. it as my wife. <laughs> She, she made a Twitch account oh. to support me when I first started, but she didn't know what she was doing. And so her Twitch handle was Alana Matlick. Oh, yeah. And You're then like, it clicked well, and she hasn't been on later. She's like, I've been trying to change it. I was like, just make a new one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, random random facts for you. Should we, should we get into this? Yeah, sure. I'm going to do the comically large book first. Yeah. So Black, White, and Blood is, like we said, a concept that they've done for a number of characters. Conveniently, pretty much all have red in their, uh, somewhere in, in their costume. Yeah, red or blood, because they yeah. had to do Wolverine. That's right. He's never had a red suit. The, the most red suit he's ever had was his X-Force. Right, the red <laughs> eyes. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so Black, White, and Blood is four issues. Well, so far, this is the fourth one. Mm-hmm. It's four issues. Each issue is three short stories, none of which are canon. Just yeah. a chance for writers or new artists to kind of flex some Marvel muscle. And, and, yeah, and they're all in black and white in. with the only color being red, hence yeah. the name. Yeah, they're all. So is that bichromatic? I don't know. I don't know words. I'm just a simple writer. (laughs) You are the writer. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Anyway, so, okay. So hopping in the first issue, actually a lot. I've noticed a pattern with Electra that I guess I don't, I never actually noticed until this series that like she refuses to kill little girls. Interesting. Like she has kind of that's like that's her weak spot. That's where little she... girls and Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> She'll kill anybody else. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> but yeah, so like because like the first issue, every time she stops her rampage, is because she sees this uh, some little girl. That uh, seems that seems like a uh, Batman Beyond uh, electrocution style moment. Like, how are they going to work a little girl into here? <laughs> right. God, man, that bug- shout out to our longtime listeners who get that. Joke. It should not have bugged me as much as that did, man. But when you binge a TV show and you see the same thing happen every single time, uh, stands out. Anyway, okay. So the first issue, first story is Electra getting bit and turned into a vampire. She's fighting a bunch of vampires. And they're like, it's oh, okay. going to be awesome. 
And she's like, nah. And she kills she kills off all the vampires. She comes back and she sees her daughter asleep. She's like, wake me up when you when when or come come see me when you wake up. And she goes out and she watches the sunrise and, and sacrifices herself. Hmm. And then it, and then there's another one that's just like a car chase scene where she's <laughs> she is uh taking down a bunch of targets for Fisk. Nice. Good action, fun. Uh, I feel like yeah, Black and fun. White lends itself well to to something like that. Yeah, and so like it's like you know, car chase scene, and the car that we care about is red. Everything else is black and white. So like the car like stands out. Nice. And then you know, I'm also because, sorry. I'm also just seeing a panel like that. I just can't help but think how much the black and white and blood concept bites off Sin City and Frank oh, Miller yeah. and Frank Miller created Electra. So like, oh, we're just there purely do- yeah, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then she's going through and wrecking, wrecking face, and then she sees the back seat of the car in question, and it's a little girl, and she and she pauses. <laughs> okay, we got our counter here. Yeah, ding. <laughs> yeah, and so she has to like make up for her mistake, and then she kills everyone. Then little girl picks up a gun from one of the dead gangsters and it was like no stop 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 and misses all of the shots Electra backhands her and she's like they're wrong about you you're not a demon she's like no I don't suppose I am and she walked away and left the girl like alive and it's like okay <laughs> yeah all right you just killed everybody I know but I guess you're all right after all <laughs> and then the last storyline is kind of is more of a metaphorical view of one there's this it's set kind of like Greek, Roman, Wonder Woman, Themyscira type sure. visuals. Electra's in all white. This little girl in all red runs up to her at this like temple. And she's like, help me, help me, help me. And she's like, I'll get you to safety. So and we've got our counter for this issue too. Mm-hmm. And the little girl's being chased by these like all red suits of armor. Mm-hmm. That's super like Roman, Roman themed. Sure. She takes out the, the guy in the suit of armor and she's like, uh, no one will pass, get to safety. And she starts running up um, some stairways and she's sword fighting more and more and more and more of these uh, suits of armors to the point where it's like, it's just more giant splash sure. artistic nice. op- uh, opportunities. And then it ends with the girl getting to the top of the staircase and she says, she's like, wait, what happened? Who are you? And she's like, I am the immortal assassin on her journey's end. You are the instrument that has delivered it safely. You have guided the soul, our soul along the crimson path. And then reality shows and it's Electra on like dying breath, Electra up against a tree and just like a pile of like mercenary bodies. Well, um, and she dies at the tree, at the foot of the tree. Oh shit! Yeah, so it was it was just like a fever dream type thing. The second issue starts with art by Greg Land, and I'm so excited. <laughs> oh boy, does his style <laughs> lend itself any better to the black, white, and blood concept? <sighs> Honestly, maybe. Like it's because I feel like. A lot of what actually worked about his art in full color 
or I don't know if it worked or not, but just like you had the samey like facial expressions and like, you know, right. kind of weird bedroom eye porn yeah. faces and all that. But like mm-hmm. you also he worked with colorists or maybe he did his own colors where just like textures really popped off the page and not in like a nineties, everything's a gradient kind of way, but there was like a shine or a sheen that kind of like, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And so not having that, you kind of have to, it's not even like, I don't think he changed the style. Like everything is still, like those those extra like shading gradients, he just uses a little extra gray. Mm, okay. So like here's like patch. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so like it 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 works. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it's it it took a couple pages for me to realize it was Greg Land. So <laughs> yeah. I guess so I guess it d- did do a little <laughs> bit of service. <laughs> this storyline has this girl who was an escort for a gangster she's pregnant and he's like hell yeah she wanted to end the pregnancy and he's like hell no this is going to be like the heir to my like empire and then patch reaches out to Electra. is like hey uh can you go and deal with this person for some reason Oh, because because of the little girl, she was she <laughs> okay, was uh, four she's four. like there we go. Yeah, she's like she's like a friend of Tiger Tiger, and they can't get involved because of the agreements between the assassin and Tiger Tiger. So she goes and gets involved. They have their little epic fight. Then you know, flash forward to the future, and and the girl ends up having the the kid, and it's not the gangsters kid it's this other guy that we saw on the very first page cool and then the next one was really cool is this csi point of view and they have footage of this guy seemingly just dying for no reason and it wasn't from gunshot wounds but it's on it's on cctv and Mm. they're stumped because it looks like he was cut and the guy the police detective it's like, wait, wait, wait. Let's do this frame by frame. And the frame right before he dies, right before he visually dies, there's like a red scarf on the edge of the screen. And so oh. like he realizes that the 24 FPS that the CCTV cameras have are not <laughs> fast enough to yes. catch the killer. That's awesome. <laughs> And so he discovers that, and then his partner finds a picture of Kingpin talking to a woman with a red scarf, and then she, and then Electra shows up and deals with the, those loose ends. And it ends with the detective guy getting killed on camera, but without a trace. Sick. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> no little girl. Next one. You're right, but so to make wow. up for it, the very first, uh, the third. The third story opens with Electra giving a little girl. It's in in Japan. This one's set in Japan. Of course. Kitaiki Village. Population 423. And Electra in her Carmen Sandiego red trench coat is walking around. (laughs) She stands out in the crowd because everyone else is black and white. She gives the little girl a, uh, a flower. 
And then she prepares and a little girl gets stolen by an Oni and Electra goes and chases the Oni down, fights the Oni, saves the little girl and brings her back to her parents. Nice. And uh, this entire issue didn't have any dialogue. Or not oh, cool. this entire issue. This entire story had no dialogue. And the yeah. uh, the art was like, I don't know if watercolor is the right medium, but like mm. it's just very yeah, like an ink wash soft. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Soft cool. lines and very artsy. It's very fun. That's awesome. And then the next issue has a uh, jailbreak with her and Bloody Mary uh, okay. or Typhoid Mary. Yeah. They were they were cellmates and they mm-hmm. decided to break out. Nothing major there. And then the next one is like super. I guess it's pulp. Is the like she she like has mm. like blush where it's like dots. Yeah. For the art style. Cool. And it's it's basically a fight between her and Daredevil, and which turns from fighting to kissing to making of out to course. Monday. It's how they do. Mm-hmm. And then. The hookup, and then while he's asleep, she uses that as an opportunity to get out of there and go and finish her mission of killing somebody. <laughs> of course. And then it just ends at after that. And then the last one, the last story on this issue is set in Moscow in the Red Room, and Natasha is uh, going through some training, and Elektra is sent to take her out, and so they have a little battle. Uh, Electra gets the drop on Black Widow, knocks her out, and the Red Room is like, you think you're so cool? How about this? And sends uh, a bunch of brainwashed other lesser Black Widows after her, and she wins. Because <laughs> 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 uh, Electra is that badass. Uh, and then the last <laughs> issue is a storyline where Electra is first hired by Kingpin. She sends him to deal with a very evil man. Uh, ends up being Johnny Blaze. Okay. Uh, she stabs him in the back with a sigh. He turns Ghost Rider. And so they have a fight. Ghost Rider's flames keep on melting her sigh, which is kind of cool. <laughs> and Kingpin <sighs> sends some goons to follow her to make sure that if she's not able to take out the target, they need to take out the target and her. Sure. Like you do. Target. Yep. Target gives her, or target, uh, Ghost Rider gives her a penance stare. She gets paralyzed. Ghost Rider gets away. The four goons show up and, and they're like, wait, is she is she crying? And I was like, what happened, girly? Because it looks like you blew the mission. And she gets all pissed and she takes them out. And then she still shows up back at Fisk and she's like, how dare you send people after me? He's like, listen, you're new. I had to make sure you could do the job. She's like, here's your here's your payment back. Here's the money you paid me for the job and a reminder for you. There are things in the city far scarier than you. Don't ever send anyone after me again unless you're sure they can handle me. And he opens up the duffel bag and it's a bunch of the, it's all the heads of the goons. Oh. Yeah. Next next story is uh, one one actually from another book. By Peach Momoko. Oh, cool. She does really cool variant covers. Yeah, she's got a lot of cards on uh, Marvel Snap, too. Yeah, she's she's really blown up. Over and the last, and like, magic years. cards just kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. So she has a whole Marvel book called Demon Days. Okay. And I've had it on the side. It's also oversized. I've had it. <laughs> and I knew... 
because I knew it was an alt reality thing. And so when I like caught up, I was going to use that as like fodder. But then that was around the same times when we introduced Sandman. So that took up uh, the like the yeah. non, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the extra time that I had. But anyway, so she has a short story called Assassin and it's Electra in just like old school, old, old school stylized Japan. Yeah. Uh, she's dressed up like Ninja Scroll. Yeah. And she fights a bunch of demon samurai type guys. You love steals, to see it. steals all, seals the eyes of this of the like of her target. This like demon that has like five giant eyes that she like slings over her her shoulder. Sells them to some guy, some broker. Gives her some a bunch of gold pieces for it. She walks out. Oh, the broker smiles as she leaves. His ears get pointy. Uh, she looks at her. She looks at her gold payment. Kisses the gold and looks again. And it turns to leaves. She yeah. turns around. The whole district that she was in, it's gone. And she's like, "Damn it!" <laughs> yeah, she got tricked. And then, and then they just moved on from there. Cool. Then the last story is called rendezvous and it's like kind of it's this battle between a white uniformed a white costumed electro against a black costumed electro okay and it's just kind of it's it's there's no dialogue but the narration boxes are like a poem Hmm. about a rendezvous with death interesting okay Mm-hmm. And so it's the two of them fighting with size in a whole bunch of like on the rooftops, in fire escapes, in the alleys, yada, yada, yada. As cool. more and more blood gets drawn, blood starts drop dripping from their size, comes into a pool, and then Electra in red comes up from the blood and she beheads the other two Electras and she becomes herself. Sweet. That sounds trippy. Yeah, it was, it was it was cool. Yeah, but yeah, like uh, they were fun, and uh, I don't want to say I'm getting tired of Black, White, and Blood, mm. but like, be nice I if guess, it was more of a special occasion. I think so. Like, it's cool to have this kind of like Animatrix style, yeah, just cameo of a bunch of different artists and writers and stuff. Yeah, but I don't know, I. <laughs> I think they're running out of characters anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, <who else laughs> like <laughs> Moon Knight, Carnage, Wolverine, and Electra. So, and, and they think they did good. Deadpool, right? The, oh yeah, and Deadpool, and Deadpool. Yeah. So they're gonna do Daredevil at some point. Um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised they haven't. Yeah, then maybe they're just like, over Wolverine at least. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Wolverine is popular enough that. You know, I'm sure that right. that made the decision for them. But yeah, I hope they don't do like Spider-Man, Black, White, and Blood. That doesn't work. I know. Seriously. Unless it's only black suit Spider-Man. But even then. <laughs> yeah. 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 If they already I'm did like, Carnage, so they probably shouldn't do Venom. Yeah. Like, I'm over it, but it's still, it's, it's, it's. They're the only reads, reason why I'm over it yeah. is because it's oversized. <laughs> and they, they don't. If it like, fit on your shelf fit. better, you wouldn't mind. I'd, I'd care less or I'd care more. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I would, I'd have, you'd less be disdain. more excited for these. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're too big for the boxes that I use for my comic storage. Uh huh. And it's just like, man, I have to make special accommodations for it. And I just uh-huh. complain. It's fine. 
It's fine. Anyway, so Miss Marvel Fists of Justice. Yeah. Three issues Miss Marvel and Wolverine, Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, Miss Marvel and Venom. Such random pairings. I agree. So um, I texted you saying that there's some crossover with Krakoa era stuff going on. Right. Yeah. So do you, did you have any desire to read these three issues or no, not really. Yeah. Go for it. So it starts with Miss Marvel thinking back on like the crossovers that she's had and how much fun (laughs) she's had being a superhero. And she goes to, she goes to Seneca gardens Okay. Uh, where the newly formed X-Men have set up oh, a treehouse. Yep. Um, and she's like, oh, hey, that's Wolverine. And then as she sees Wolverine, this robot bug just zooms by her. Okay. And she's like, wait, what? And then it just it just dives right into a tree trunk, into the into the Seneca Gardens treehouse trunk. Hmm. And she's like, oh, that can't be good. <laughs> yeah. So she goes over and and the and and begins slash elongates her fingers to try and like get down the hole and grab it. Ashes, ashes in there. Jean and Rogue show up and they're like, um, excuse me, miss. Mm-hmm. She's in her civvies. They're like, um, what's up with this? What do uh, <laughs> what uh what are you doing there? Yeah. And Wolverine shows up and vouches for her because he can he recognizes her. Scent, yeah. And he's like, he's like, uh, what's going on? You uh, find anything? She's like, I think so. Uh, and she pulls out this the little bug and it looks it's 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 your stereotypical uh, robotic flying, sure thing. Yeah, and big insect drone type. Yeah, pulls it out and immediately um, dives into it. Burrows into Wolverine's shoulder. Okay, I'm sure he pops it out. That. Yeah, he pops it out. Gene catches it. Rogue smashes it. Impulse little team up. Cool. And then yeah. Miss Marvel is like, man. They don't have to talk. <laughs> she was so she was so amazed. Uh, yeah, telepathy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and then Cyclops shows up, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, he used to be a champion." E. And then, uh-huh. and then a swarm of the bugs show up, and they fight off oh, the bugs. Okay. And then an even bigger swarm shows up. Storm shows up and helps. Armor helps. They all fight off all these, all the bugs. They mm-hmm. they beat all the bugs, yada, yada, yada. They're pretty sure they got everything. Three get away and of go course. to go home and check in. Oh, Miss Marvel also sees that she got hit as well. Okay. And it ends with like the ominous, ooh, you've brought even more samples than I requested. A promising start indeed. Okay. Shadow guy. And then. So these are connected. It turns out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then so that was the end of the first issue the second issue is uh with moon knight and moon knight is as we have been getting introduced to he is the like guardian of walkers of the night right. so anyone who gets off of a late shift they are they are guarded by moon knight sure and Ms. marvel is following up on this is uh she's following up on on a clue that the X-Men created a tracking device to like reverse engineer the tracking signal. And so she's sure. following that around and that ends up cro- her with her crossing paths with uh, Moon Knight. And they're like, okay. And 
Moon Knight goes and deals with another with a drug peddler uh, in an apartment building, and he's like, "Hey, keep an eye out." She looks around and notices a building with all of the lights off in, in New York City, and she thinks that's kind of weird. Moon Knight gets up there, and she's like, "Well, that's kind of standouty, isn't it?" And then they look, and then a, and then lights turn on in the in the shape of a crescent moon. Okay, and they're like, "That's." We should go there. <laughs> so, so they go there and they come across a bunch of robotic mice. Okay. And she starts smashing them and then they stop and update. And then they have they have like this armor thing now. So she can't, turns out she can't beat them the same way twice. Okay. And the mice start picking at Moon Knight and, 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 and biting him. <laughs> and... They fight them off by getting them wet. They like break, they open up like the sprinkler system and sure. douse them. And they're like, cool, day is saved. And Miss Marvel's like, nah, last time, last time they they sent a second wave to deal with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I just I'm trying to keep an eye out. Yeah. And Moon Knight's like, a second wave, huh? All right, let's go. And he's like, wait, where are we going? And he's like, well, it stands, it stands to reason that if they can send two waves, they could do it at the same time. And I'm not the only Moon Knight. Mm. Or sorry, I'm not the only Fist of Khonshu. Right. And she's like, wait, what? <laughs> so <laughs> hop over to Hunter's Moon. He's being attacked by, by the robot mice. And the three of them team up. And the robot mice decide to team up. And they all band together. Voltron style. Oh no! Rat King. This giant, like forty foot tall, robot thing. Gross. Okay. Yeah. And they're like, well, "What the hell are we supposed to do?" And so, Hunter's Moon and Moon Knight do this prayer thing to basically summon Konshu mm-hmm. and for one giant attack because Konshu's avatar shows up, is as tall as them, has a giant, his like giant. Okay. So we get Kaiju battle. Yeah, for one page. Sure. And it says, if you think your technology can withstand the power of a god, you're very wrong. And takes out the shield that it had and cuts into it. And then all the mice fall apart and they all deactivate. (laughs) Nice. Crazy how that works. Yeah, it's funny. Now that the, uh, you know, the Moon Knight show is a thing. You quoting Kanchu, I just hear it in his voice from the show. I don't think and that, that works. works for me for any other character. Like I don't <laughs> hear, I don't hear like you know James Marsden's voice when I when I read Cyclops. You know, right? Yeah. Even like no, I I think of ninety. I think of X Men TAS. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's true. That is much more. But yeah, I don't think of John Barenthal when I read Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> even when he grunts yeah. <laughs> I kid but that, that was the most compelling part of that performance just every <laughs> dude yeah even like Charlie Cox as perfect of a of, of a Matt yeah. Murdock as he played I do not hear mm-hmm. his voice when I read Daredevil yeah but yeah that checks out and then it ends with all the rats being deactivated or whatever hunter's moon is like that was a good team up thank you and she's like you're <laughs> really serious and then Moon Knight's like all right if you come across any more leads with the x-men let me know i, I need to find yeah. out who's behind this blah 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 sure 
And then you get elsewhere and you gotta have this guy testing. Even more data. <laughs> right? Yeah. You have the guy testing out this stuff in the petri dish. It starts to like it it starts to get all tendrily and explode. And he's like, no, and he torches it. And it's like I've isolated all of the correct proteins. I'm certain of it, and yet finding the right balance. And then you have this voice off camera saying, Stay the course, doctor. We have the blood of the God touched and those with the ability to heal. Once you crack that code, we'll have all the time in the world. And it's, um, it's this guy with the, or the, um, Oh, it's peacock tattoo, man. Yeah. Peacock tattoo. I I was supposed to say Orcus, but I, no, he's from Zeno. Zeno. Yeah, 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 yeah. So (laughs) the other, (laughs) that's where the, that's where the tie came in. I was like, Oh, interesting. And okay. so, so he's the mastermind behind this. Who who wrote this? Who wrote this series? Was it Benjamin Percy? No. Oh, Jody Hauser. Okay. Yeah. And then you have a team up with Venom, who is Venom symbiote, but Dylan Brock, mm, Eddie's sure. son. Yeah. And Venom. It starts with Venom finding a swarm of like the of ladybug version of these robots. Oh boy. They know Venom's weaknesses, and so it creates like sonic pulses. Miss Marvel shows up and is using a tracker, and she's like, "Hey, like, I have I have experience with these guys. Let me help." And Venom's like, "I don't. We we don't do help." And she's like, "Wait, what?" The swarm turns lights on fire and then creates a distraction, and okay. so Miss um, Marvel tries to help the citizens, but uh, Venom is. A rage monster and is trying to yeah. trying trying to deal with things, and she's like, "Venom, you need to help me, please." And she's like, "Oh wait, that's right. Can't leave people to die, even if it is fire. Eddie wouldn't do that." And so, mm. like, they evacuate the building that that got caught on fire. And Miss Marvel's like, "Okay, let's 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 do this." And he's like, "No, it stole a piece of it stole a piece of us. I know where it is." And it's like, "Okay, so it stole a little bit of Venom symbiote." They go. Uh, they, uh, they find they find a rundown lab in an apartment building. This kid talks about how like it's too late. Uh, I, they already won. The ones who promised me immortality. What better cure for a terminal illness? And he injects himself with the latest serum. And he's like, "Wait, why am I why am I in so much pain? This isn't uh, this isn't." They said they were going to cure me, and then he starts growing and growing and then he turns into this whole thing oh god okay and he's just in so much pain uh venom keeps on hitting it every time he gets hit he gets bigger and um miss marvel's like this isn't working (laughs) you can't you can't keep on hitting him and then he gets he like reaches a critical mass and then just melts and so fight ends uh venom absorbs the little bit of symbiote that was in his body and that's in that serum and he's like wait there's still more and uh the rest of me is down in a basement and she's like okay i gotta call the make so so yeah xeno lab experiments immortality i don't know i it's on again, off again on whether Moon Knight has a healing factor, but yeah. I think they pulled him because that's why they called him God Touched because right. he is an avatar of Khonshu. Right, and then you have the mutants, and yeah. both Miss Marvel and Logan have healing factors. Right, and then 
you have the symbiote. And the theory that the doctor who's working on this had was the symbiote should help to bond all of the foreign elements together. And so mm. that was the theory there. And so, okay. so it's it's now just down to figuring out the the concentrations of each factor. Sure. So while they're doing that, <laughs> guess who shows up? But Wolverine, Venom, hey. Moon Knight, and Miss Marvel. And he's like, save the or kill the intruders, but save me a piece of that mutant. <laughs> okay. And just to just to rub it in that like this is a this is an X-Men villain, in case you guys want to know more about. Him. Right. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the doctor's like, you realize they were targeted because of how hard it is to kill them, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's why you're going to inject the other test subjects now. Give them a real threat to deal with. And he was like, but that will kill all of them. Do it. And I was like, okay. Do it. So, <laughs> do it. <laughs> so he hits a button and one button injects them all. And so now we now we're dealing with like 10 of those big hulking sure mass people yeah and miss marvel goes and finds the doctor and and he's like uh he made he made me xeno they she's like i don't care they're in our <laughs> agony and if they're anything like the guy upstairs they don't have long to live and that's on you so what can you do to save them okay and she, he's like they volunteered for this they they signed and then he's he's about to get attacked venom saves them and he's like you don't get to be judged and excuse me here uh because you really want to besides you really want to be down here when they go boom because it do you look pretty squishy to me he's like fine there's a counter agent in the pods a green file you'll have to find a way to manually inject them uh now that they're loose and so miss marvel goes to each of the pods finds the little green file the sharing files she passes them around wolverine um, tags his target moon knight tags his target gives the last three to venom venom tendrils the rest of his targets and they all get saved yeah cool Wolverine says, you know, X-Force will clean up Zeno's mess. Uh, we'll be on their tra- We've been on their trail for a while. Medical attention for the victims incinerating the samples and equipment, dealing with this trash. And they kind of go their separate ways. It, this is specifically Miss Marvel and Venom. And so the two of them have a last little thing. And Miss Marvel says, you know, hey, by the way, I wanted to thank you. And Venom's like, I don't really do things. She's like, that's fine. But like, listen, when I first saw you, I thought you were kind of a jerk, but I saw how hard you're trying. And I don't know who's under, who is wearing the symbiote now, but Eddie would be proud. And mm-hmm. he says, we hope so. And then they go off and then you have a little Miss Marvel uh, motivational dialogue as is Miss Marvel's of course thing. And then it ends. So- just fun, quick little jaunts. It, it, it was kind of a non-starter. It didn't really introduce anybody, anybody new. It was kind of Miss Marvel having a little team up. Yeah, but yeah, it was, it was fun. And and Zeno poking think... their head around outside yeah. of just X Force and Wolverine, right? <laughs> and so, like, it, it, yeah, it, it happened. <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay. Okay, Iron Cat. Iron Cat. We're, just, so, we're just shotgunning through these. Let's guys. just, yeah, I, I like it. So Iron Cat, back in, so this is written by Jed McKay. Yes. And in Jed McKay's run of Black Cat, Felicia had a a heist where she Always infiltrated. on these heists. So heisty. 
<laughs> she infiltrated Stark Industries, hacked the computer, had yeah. the nanocomputer assemble a black cat themed suit for herself, and she used it for her heist. And she exploded it at the end, or like fell it fell apart or whatever at the end. So this starts with two pieces. One is a flashback to when the when Felicia was being trained by Black Fox. And they also had this girl, Tamara Blake, who was being trained by Black Fox at the same time. Oh, there's something that has been established here that okay. it doesn't bug me, but it's Black Hat is young. <laughs> so <laughs> Okay. So we have like today, it's like Felicia Hardy, the Black Hat, New York's New York City's super crime eight girl. And then it does a flashback to Percy Misto, the Republic of Carnelia, 12 years ago. Felicia Hardy, globetrotting teenage super criminal. Okay. So she's either 18 or 19 in this. Right. In this flashback. Which right. puts her to today being at the oldest, 31. Right. Which makes her That's- like... Four, four or five years younger than than Peter Parker. <laughs> is that? Is, oh, okay. I didn't know he had been established as being that old. He. So he. Gosh, I have to. I'd have to honestly go back and check. But yeah, he turned into. He got his spider powers when he was sixteen. Right. And when they introduced Silk, they did an actual number of years ago that it happened. Oh, okay. And I want to say that was also 12 or 14 years ago. Sure. Maybe even 16. Yeah. But it was it was more than 10 years ago. Yeah. And they introduced Silk a couple of Marvel years ago. Uh-huh. So the math dictates <laughs> that I, I'm pretty sure Pete is in his mid-30s. I would hazard a guess to say next time they do anything suggesting his age i don't think he'll ever age above like 31 like i think Mm. he's just going to be perpetually like i think that's the oldest they'll ever let him get yeah because we don't want his we want his back going out (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so that just basically it just stood out because it just means that 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 black hat is a couple years younger than pete and in my head they've always been Either the same or Black Cat's been a little bit older because of yeah. how she holds herself. Sure, yeah. And like having Mary Jane be the like younger model. Right. What what Felicia brings to the table. That's just how I always built their rivalry okay. in my head. Sure. And I'm just, I'm wrong. <laughs> According yeah. to one, one shot. Uh-huh. That just came out last year yeah. that officially create establishes my entire new universe. So <laughs> anyway, so Tamara Blake and Felicia are both trained by Black Fox at the same time. And throughout the book, you basically learn that Tamara Blake is better at all things thieving than Felicia is. Of course. Felicia got brought in by Black Fox primarily because of who her dad was. Uh-huh. Tamara got brought in by her own merits yeah. and classic story of what sets Felicia apart is the fact that she has fun doing okay. it. 
Sure. She thieves for the fun of it. Tamara thieves because she's good at it. Yeah. Like she's the she's the by the book person. And, okay. Yeah. And Felicia is the do it for the love of the game. Okay. Person. Sure. Sure. And because of that joy, Black Fox always chose Felicia over Tamara. Hmm. Which breeds uh, insecurity and jealousy sure. and yada yada, whatever. Felicia, present day Felicia, is doing a heist where she is fulfilling an old promise to to kind of close the door on Black Fox because if you remember in Black Cat's run or in right. McKay's run of Black Cat, Black Fox tricked Felicia into giving Manhattan to <laughs> the demon <laughs> the demon of the New York Thieves Guild yeah in exchange AKA, for immortality aka former city planner Robert Moses <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, fuck I actually and, really like this headcanon I'm gonna go with it so, so in that storyline Felicia chose saving Manhattan over Fox, yeah, and Fox currently is now stuck in the vault of the Thieves Guild, right? So, turns out, so the flashback mission that we get introduced to, they're stealing diamond called the Gavrilov diamond, and it's a big old priceless piece of diamond order. And present day. Black Cat is stealing the diamond because in the flashback, they had to give up the diamond in the pursuit in order to get away. Okay. So she's finishing that. She's like closing that chapter. Sure. While she's doing that heist, she gets a phone call from Iron Man. And she's like, first of all, how'd you get this number? How did you turn my ringer on? And why are you calling me? (laughs) And Tony's like, bring it back. So what are you talking about? <laughs> My black cat, the the iron cat armor, bring it back. And she's like, I destroyed that. And he's like, Yeah, I rebuilt it, but you, but it just got stolen. And she's <laughs> like, Well, it wasn't me. <laughs> and then it's like, Oh, watch. I bet it's going to be Tamara. So right, of course, because I yeah. mean, <laughs> how how likely is it? Do you think that Tony has her number because they hooked up and she doesn't remember? No. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. Nope. Okay. It didn't happen. Okay. It's cute, but it's not happening. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it it would be a real power move for her to be like, did I hook up with Tony Stark? God, he wasn't that right. memorable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if that's how it went down, I'd be down. Okay. <laughs> So in this smash and grab that she's doing, the black cat or the iron cat armor shows up and she's like, never mind, Tony, let me get back to you. So okay. blah, blah, blah. They they at least don't bury the lead because by the end of yeah. the first issue, it's, it's revealed that it's Tamara. Sure. So, I mean, the the writing was on the wall and it was. Yeah, they didn't try and make a, a stupid mystery they out weren't, of it. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so. So it turns into a team up, a buddy cop team up between Felicia and Tony. Okay. To stop Tamara. Turns out, I don't know. Do you pronounce it Tamara or, T- or Tamara or Tamara? I I know people who have, you know, pronounced the same spelled 
name different ways. Yeah. Too, so, man. I've never known. Anyway, it's Tamara because it, it rolls because you're in thinking mid-sentence better. Tia and Tamara Maori. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Sister, sister. <laughs> so, uh, turns out the way that Tamara was able to steal the Iron Cat suit. Oh, first, Felicia's like, why do you still have the Iron Cat suit? And he's like, listen, I picked up the pieces. And when I get bored, I like to tinker. And yeah. I'm, I upgraded the suit. It was kind of cool. <laughs> so... Because when Black Cat designed the suit, it was strictly for speed. Sure. And now it has like missiles and lasers. And, okay. And taser. Because he literally so can't so help forth. himself. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it turns out Tamara went and teamed up with Sunset Bane, who had Banetronics, who is, she was the tech rival of, what's his face? Of Tony Stark for oh, okay. a bit. One of the many tech rivals of the, the this, exactly the, the this newest Justin Hammer. <laughs> Justin Hammer Obadiah Stane. Yeah. Yeah. And she she so Banetronics was the company that Arno Stark went and worked for and teamed um, up with to do Iron Man 2020. Got you. Okay. And then uh there's also dealings with with Aaron Stack. Robot man, machine man, machine man. And in the climax of that storyline, Sunset Bane became AI. Okay. And she goes by Madam Menace now. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she is just a nasty AI and she is currently being held in an AI supermax prison slash hard drive that's not connected to anything kind of thing. Sure. So a couple days ago, Tamara broke into that facility, jacked into the hard drive to meet Madame Menace and is like, hey, you want to get back at Tony Stark? I have some needs that will uh, deal with needs. Tony Stark slash uh, I need to get revenge deal on with Felicia. Tony. Yes. <laughs> I'm making finger quotes because I'm still, because uh, I'm a child and I'm still thinking about sexual innuendo. <laughs> and Madame Menace is like, that's cute, but like, how do you suggest I get out of here? And she's like, I make a copy of you. Okay. To go, because I need an AI to help me uh, pilot the Iron Cat suit. Okay. So I make a copy of you. You help me with my heist. We'll come back and you can merge with your copy and you'll be free. This is ridiculous. Okay. This is what I present to you, Madam Menace. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay. <laughs> so she takes the copy. She goes and she has her AI loaded into the Iron Cat suit. Comics happen. <laughs> Turns out in the past, uh, Tamara and Felicia became a thing. They started dating because, oh, nice. because like Felicia is the wild side and sure. Tamara, Miss Straight and Narrow. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. So anyway, Tamara wants revenge on Black Cat for, from her perspective, for killing Black Fox. Sure. So that's where her motivation is coming from. They have their big crossing of paths. 
people playing the trump cards and then the final trump card ends up being madam menace just wreaking havoc on everything and okay. and since she's been since she's been let out uh, she doesn't need Tamara anymore. And so now it becomes and me with my enemy and Tamara and Felicia and, and Tony now have to deal with Sunset Bane slash Madam Menace. Yep. Rogue AIs are a bitch to deal with. <laughs> and <laughs> so Tony has his Iron Man suit. Tamara has the Iron Cat suit. And then it turns out that Felicia had her own iron cat suit made uh while because she hacked yeah. her way into the system again okay. while she was visiting Tony at in the first issue. Oh my god, okay. <laughs> and she and what she did, she was able to hack the system. So her two henchmen, Butch and Dr. Something, went in and uh designed a suit for her, which is um basically Iron Cat. But colored in sure. red, like Iron Man. Okay. As opposed to the the actual Iron Cat suit is black and white because sure. because black cat. Right. Of course. So you have three armored suit people r- running around town trying to figure out how to deal with this. Sunset Bane just wants to completely and utterly, utterly destroy the Stark name, and so she starts reaching out to every single piece of stark tech that is out there including a bunch of like not nuclear facilities but nope. like power plants okay <laughs> basically things that could that go horribly wrong things that can yeah, go boom th- yeah so things that she's triggering to melt down which the way it's explained uh makes it sound like there's literally just like a program or <laughs> a button you can press yeah. To I mean, make yeah. things melt down, make reactors melt down. Sure, of course. Who who doesn't install one of those on their incredibly dangerous tech? Right? That doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's like how like every cartoon lab has the self-destruct button. Right, yeah. And I'm like, when you're building like if you're Dexter <laughs> from Dexter's laboratory, why do you build that? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, because if that got out, it would be even worse for the world. Whatever you're making in there. I, you know. Maybe, I guess. But then, like, why have a meltdown button for a reactor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, oh, no. They pressed the destroy the entire world button. Right. So, like, so this is five issues. And so she's doing the meltdown in like issue four and then issue five she talks about it a little bit where she's telling she talks about how like she's telling the computers to that things are not as they seem and convincing the local ais that they're failing at their job and so like it's it i don't know it I don't feel like Jed McKay knows how to melt down a reactor and <laughs> I don't need the explanation. Uh, sure. If you want to leave it as they're melting down, that's fine with me. But right. <laughs> regardless, Sunset Bane is doing this to destroy the Stark name. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know what to do. And oh, Sunset Bane has control of all of Tony's armors. Okay. And so, yeah. 
she keeps on taking over at each new armor that she needs. They play a gambit and Tamara goes and steals original Sunset Bane. <laughs> okay, yeah. And lets her out, brings her over to whatever Stark facility they're at and lets her out. And so Sunset Bane, original Sunset Bane is like, you were supposed to release me. And Coffee Sunset Bane is like, no. And then okay. original Sunset Bane basically eats her. And I think she's just out now. <laughs> sure. That seems fine. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. It ends with Tamara going to basically a tinkerer uh, type person. And is like, hey, I need repairs on this stuff yeah. suit. Okay. And she's like, I mean, I can do repairs, but it's going to cost a pretty penny. And she's like, how about this? And she holds up the gravel evolve diamond. Five. Okay, yeah. Oh, and then in there, there's a chance for Tamara and Felicia to make up because Felicia's like, I legitimately didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. You have to know. You have to know I'm telling the truth. I didn't want to do this. And then she, uh, she drops a line like, only you and my mom know when I'm lying. Am I lying? And Tamara's like, no, you're not lying. It's like, okay, <laughs> okay, well, that's easy. Yeah. So it <laughs> like, <laughs> I hate to make the comparison, but it's basically like, when Yelena and, and Hawkeye have their uh-huh. <laughs> like meeting in the middle at in the at the end of yeah, uh, the yeah Hawkeye's yeah. show, and it's just like it took a conversation. Like you guys right. could have had this conversation the first right. issue. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but no, we need tension. So yeah. anyway, so that's that. Nice Ant Man anniversary. Yeah, let's get let's get these ants. This was an interesting read. So this is only four issues. Okay. And the first issue, well, okay, it starts in the year 99 AU, which is also known as 2549 AD. Okay. So something, I'm guessing the U in that date stands for like Ultron or something, because this is tangentially related to Pym. Yeah. Well, that doesn't get established until issue four, but yes, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) It's not hard. It's really not. So so we get introduced to this to this new figure. And you're like, who is this? And Uh like the way the narrative, the narration boxes are, it's addressing you, the reader, in like a as if you're like watching logs. Of what okay. happened. Okay. So, because like it, it starts with narrative temporal placement 20, 29 or 99 AU slash 2549 AD now. MRVL trademark, narrative experience trademark, adjusted for period. Reader instructions follow. Please obey all instructions for complete MRVL narrative experience. Hmm. Reader instruction visualize the following word combination antiseptic, artificial, metamaterial. Thank you. Inhale now. Thank you. You are imagining the scent of the air as your mind processes the visual component of Marvel narrative experience. Spoiler warning. Do not pre-acquire knowledge of this character's identity. Further information will be revealed at a future narrative stage. Thank you for your patience. (laughs) They're having fun with it. Yeah. So it's this guy in, it's basically this black suit. Sure. And he's in a lab coat and he goes through like a time platform. And we go back to 
old school Hank Pym as Ant-Man. Cool. Pre-Avengers uh-huh. era. Yeah. And we get introduced to the antagonists. Uh, I don't know if they were actually a thing or not, <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised. Stanley is a real cornball like that. Yeah, seriously. So we ha- we come across this Ant Man villain called the Window Washer, who, <laughs> yeah, so who has a like water bottle full of paralyzing liquid. <laughs> okay. Anyway, he he was from Tales to Astonish number 41. Okay. And turns out they are teamed up with, or he's teamed up with the Protector, okay. who was, he he dealt with him in Tales to Astonish number 37. Trago, who uh, has a magical hypnotizing trumpet. And we met him, we as the reader met him in Tales to Astonish number 47. Okay. And then also... Time Master, who is an old man who has an aging gun. Okay. <laughs> who can sure. just make people old. <laughs> Sorry, it's an aging ray. Sure, uh, of and course. We introduced them in Tales of Sonish number 43. Okay. So the four of them met up uh, and they were going to go and kidnap Ant-Man, but they got a lucky break because Ant-Man showed up at a movie theater. <laughs> Right now, okay. Ant-Man and Hank Pym have uh, Ant-Man's identity as a secret. Yeah. And uh, Hank and Janet are at a movie. They went to go see a movie called The Submariner versus the Fantastic Four. Huh. Hey, look at that. A young child bully, Eric O'Grady, is in the theater. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And he's been throwing part popcorn at Hank. He runs out of popcorn, so he goes into the into the lobby to go get some more. Hank follows him, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to get back at him. And so he gets in his Ant-Man suit, and he gets a bunch of ants to crawl around in the popcorn and all over his hands and freak him out. Okay. So Eric O'Grady, young child Eric O'Grady, runs away. And then right after he deals with that, that's when the power of the window washer hits him with the paralyzing agent. And then he gets kidnapped, and then the antagonists get him. As he was getting sent away, Ant-Man sends out a quick distress call, and it was the he's, he had sent the ants to go see Janet and spell out the word help. And so okay. she gets into her wasp costume and goes, and she's going flying around trying to figure out What's going on? Where are they? Uh, and some faint music is is wafting out of a cracked window, and this cracked window is op- is opened by a young Scott Lang trying okay. who's about to try and go steal something. Okay, we're just getting the. This is the 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 opening montage where you see the whole cast. Before mm-hmm. they all cross paths. Okay. And Wasp was like, oh my gosh, so so lucky that he happened to crack this window. And so I can hear the horn of Trago uh with his hypno trumpet. And so <laughs> they go, she goes in, she helps bust him out, and yada yada yada. At the end of that skirmish kerfuffle, the guy in the black suit and lab coat appears in the corner and is like, 
Hank Pym. He's like, how do you know my name? <laughs> and then sends him through a time platform and says, adjusting narrative, reading instruction, cliffhanger sequence, uh, trademark initiated. And <laughs> please remain calm in the absence of information <laughs> as okay. it shows Hank's frame of references uh kind of go by in the background and by that i mean like his goliath suit his yellow jacket suit his okay. giant man suit his dr pym suit and then his current build quote unquote build which is his half <laughs> ultron half hank oh boy. thing yeah just to show just to kind of like help mentally place yeah where in referential time this is all happening yeah <laughs> And he's like, wait, what is this? And then he says, who are you? And then the guy dons his full suit. And he's like, I am the Ant-Man and I need your help to save the future. Okay. So that's the general premise. And so the sure. second issue is, is actually does the Eric O'Grady time, timeline. And oh, this is the day after Eric O'Grady first steals the irredeemable Ant-Man suit mm-hmm. from S.H.I.E.L.D., so, and this is where, <laughs> this is where I texted you being like, this happened in the noughties, apparently is what the OOs are called. Yeah. I, I like that nickname. It says, oh, and it's the noughties. I mean, it's Marvel time six years ago. So Hank, Hank Pym's a secret <laughs> scroll right now and Scott Lang is dead. <laughs> Scott Lang died in Avengers Disassembled and then Hank yeah. got kidnapped by the scrolls for a secret invasion. So that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And Yeah. So Eric O'Grady has the new Ant-Man suit, and then basically he runs out of uh, pin particles, and so he goes to the grave of Scott Lang to try <laughs> to steal the pin particles from wow. his suit in his grave. Okay. Turns out that's not how that works. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. But uh, who shows up? Who is this? So scroll Hank Pym. Is working with Shield. Maria Hill tells him about how Eric O'Grady, who was a Shield agent originally, Uh uh, how Eric stole the Ant Man suit. And so, what we don't know, or what the world didn't know, is that the Ant Man suit that Eric O'Grady stole apparently is upgraded with some scroll tech. Okay. And Hank is like, Oh crap, he knows. Oh. I need to deal with him. <laughs> okay. Interesting. So, yeah. So he hunts him down at Scott Lang's grave and he's like, Are you seriously trying to rob? Are you trying to, to like grave rob Scott, Scott Lang's corpse? How dare you? And, yeah. and, and he's like, Dude, I'm out of pin particles. I just need some more. And then one, Hank is like, You're an idiot. Scott blew up. There's nothing buried there. <laughs> yeah. Two, Eric's suit is voice activated and a little AI goes, acknowledged, <laughs> generating synthetic pin particles. Stand by. Okay. Pin particles generated. And he's like, wait, I could have done this a whole time? <laughs> so he's like, holy crap. So now he has new pin particles. And then Pim and Eric have a little uh, scuffle. And then in the middle of that scuffle, Eric gets grabbed by a time platform goes through his little time time jump narrative temporal placement 99AU 2549 sure. old calendar slash now narrative experience adjustment for period thank you and it has kid Eric O'Grady throwing the popcorn it has a scene from Eric O'Grady becoming Ant-Man a scene from where he gets killed and then a scene from where he gets turned into a black ant 
and then jumps to the future and on your feet friend i don't know who you are but we but we need every ant-man we can he's like ah stay back and it's old school hank pym and he had knocked he knocks him out he's like wait a second what's going on and it ends with a pullback of a glowing golden hand a passed out scott lang a passed out new ant-man and a passed out hank pym and just eric o'grady and then reader instruction cliffhanger sequence initiated <laughs> right okay so that's the end of that issue and then so the third issue is it has black ant who is the second eric o'grady which is the lmd eric o'grady oh my god who... <laughs> so there were yeah there... <laughs> Eric O'Grady died, and the second the second version of the third Ant Man got you, yes, <laughs> and got recreated as an LMD, but he's more than an LMD now, and he's like along the he's connected, he's been, he's connected to the Korvac line of artificial humans. Sure, why not? Now, <laughs> so just in terms of like referentially he's more than just an lmd because lmds are old school and outdated so now you have to have like an advanced version and that's basically like the corvax slash uh jim hammond type oh okay so you have that black ant and he is doing some sort of heist at the same time you get you switch over to avengers mountain and you have Ultron slash Hank Pym encased in pure vibranium locked with Asgardian runes. And Thor and Tony are talking about how to like best handle or store um, this threat to all of existence. <laughs> and Tony is like, I honestly, I've got an idea. We hide him away forever somewhere nobody can find him. Imagine a grain of sand in an endless desert somewhere in the subatomic worlds of the microverse where nobody's even heard of Ultron. And buried inside that grain of sand, the size of a proton is our boy. So (laughs) the idea is to eternally shrink this thing down, 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 down into into, into the sub particle world place thing and then just leave it inside of a proton inside of a particle inside of a grain of sand inside like the sahara desert like wow of places to hide somebody i think that kind of works (laughs) (laughs) it takes the idea of prison 42 in the negative zone to a whole different level no shit (laughs) my god and and thor's like huh impressive (laughs) down (laughs) so scott and cassie show up and they're like hey we're here for like whatever we're supposed to deal with yeah and and tony's like um you're supposed to be just you but okay and and scott's like all right i got this and so he shrinks down the ultron into like a handheld version to take it back to pim's lab in new york where they'll be able to control the shrink and make sure it goes to where it needs to go. Sure. Avengers get called by Carol for a code cosmic, whatever that is, all hands on deck. So anyway, any excuse to get rid of the Avengers. Right, of course. Scott Scott and Cassie are escorting the thing. They get to Pim's lab, and then uh, you have this, like, voice reaching out into into, um, Scott's head. And he's like, what is going on? And it turns out... 
it's Ultron, and he's communicating by sound. Not no, not by sound, <laughs> by ant telepathy. <laughs> oh boy, yes, I love it. it. Took a long time to reconfigure my tech from in here, but now I can transmit and receive, speak mind to mind with my fellow ant men. <laughs> he says, "Wait, <laughs> is that even how bug speak works?" <laughs> and he says, "I invented bug speak, Scott. I think I know the capabilities better than you." Anyway. And Scott, so Scott and Hank slash Ultron have a whole like argument about what to do. And he's like, basically, he's like, listen, I've been, I've, 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 I've been controlling the situation for quite some time. You need to, uh, you need to let me out. And he's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then in the, that, that conversation gets cut into Snap back to reality, and you have Black Ant has Cassie uh, held at gunpoint, and Black Ant's like, what the hell, man? Like, why am I here? (laughs) Because he was being controlled by Ultron Hank. And then as things start to escalate, Black Ant is like, okay, well, I have my mission. And so he grabs the aging gun from that that uh, Hank apparently kept oh, okay. sure. <laughs> from the Tales nice, of the Saunders days. Nice callback there, sure. Mm-hmm. And hits the Ultron pod with a maximum charge. Okay. And so it theoretically, million years of raw time, hits, hits this casket and that should work on pure vibranium to at least degrade it a little bit in order for Ultron to be able to get out. Nope. He's just experienced a million years of evolution in, in a second. And now you're fucked. Mm. He's like, figure, Ultron Maybe figured not. even pure vibranium has to fall apart sometime. Well, Scott says, you maniac as guardian magic plus Wakandan vibranium plus temporal energy plus Ultron. We don't know what's about to. And then explosion oh. flashlight. Okay. I called it. <laughs> Ultron seemingly disappears. <laughs> they throw Black Ant onto a spider web and spanned because so in the in the past Scott has figured out how to tweak the helmet to talk to more than just ants. Okay. So he has the spiders keep Eric at bay and then he gets pulled through a time platform. And we come to Ant-Man or Scott sees his little time stuff and then shows up and we get, this is where having the TP screws up because it's, it misses the page turn reveal. Oh, but yeah. Scott says Ultron. And then the narration says, once this concept is fully processed, please turn the page. Sure, uh, and then you do the turn page, which is just on the right, on the right side. And and there's a giant glowing Asgardian themed Ultron, and then there he says, "Thank you." And then it says, "That's all, Father Ultron, to you." Okay. Cliffhanger sequence complete. Narrative conclusion imminent. Please remain calm. <laughs> so you get the conclusion slash issue number four, which is um, the introducing in- introduction of the new black the new ant-man who is his name is zane as asgar a s g h a r okay we get we get a two-page breakdown of the history of his history for the last 600 years sure with with 
non-existent issue references. Oh, that's always fun. <laughs> yeah. So Ultron arrives from the past loaded with Asgardian magic and uses his uses this to take the power of the All-Father in Mighty Thor number 4,774. 4, <laughs> Man, they're going to be really bummed when they make it to that issue number. And, and it, yeah. It doesn't have, or no, I'm sorry. You personally are going to be really I, bummed. Yeah, You're the only true. person who will still be reading and also care. <laughs> yeah, so he basically, Ultron, steals all of Asgardian magic and power. He ascends to All-Fatherhood. Ultron sends legions forth to conquer the Earth and transform into his machine paradise. Most organic life is destroyed, and all surviving humans are enslaved by by biocircuitry, suborning them to Ultron's will. Your normal Ultron takeover. Mm -hmm. This happens in Avenging Ultron, the All-Father Imperative 1 through (laughs) 5. A single Doombot survives the final purge of the Soul System's heroes in Immortal Doom, the end Omega. Nice. Three different time displaced Thors get involved. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that it was that one written by Jason Aaron? Right? It it should be. They all deal with it. 10% of humanity is left, and they're uh, they they start to bring the world back or restart the population, blah blah blah. That happens in all new new champion number one. Mm-hmm. And then Zane Asgard is born to Eco-scientists in a reclamation settlement on Earth Sector 4 with an aptitude for nanorobotics and a deep interest in pre-Ultronic history. He develops an obsession with somehow redeeming the inventor of Ultron, Henry Pym, in all-human Ant-Man origins, number one. So, <laughs> Everyone wants to redeem Pym, except... I know. It's a, it's a tall task. He has an, a nano-ant swarm, which he can't which he can control to build and deconstruct and rebuild things at the atomic level. Okay. And so he applies to be able to use Doom's time platform and he goes and he's basically using the time platform to read some ants of the past. I forget why it doesn't entirely matter. I don't think, but anyway, all, all father Ultron shows up and the key thing here is there's you know there's battles and blah blah blah. But the key thing here is Ultron keeps on saying that he is Hank Pym. Like that was his thing back in Rage of Ultron when they first introduced this version of Ultron slash Hank. Uh okay. and then in that it finally at in the in the like climax of that storyline, Ultron admitted that he finally that he killed Hank Pym. But so like there's this like mm. ident- identity crisis type thing going on. Anyway. There's a conversation that says that Ultron says, You're being, don't be ridiculous, Lang. I'm Pym. He's like, Bull, you can't be. Because if the real Hank had the power of the All Father, he wouldn't rest until he used it to free himself from Ultron. To which the Hank Pym side, that, so Ultron currently has like half Ultron, half Hank. Okay. And they frame it to only see the Hank side. Right, and he said, and he's like shocked, and he's like, "Wait, what?" And then, so now we're like, and he says, "No, I, I am Henry Pym. I am, I, I am." And and then he says, "I am Ultron," and it changed, and they have two different speech bubbles, and so like, there's like a, okay, we have this like planting the seed of of change and dissent in <laughs> in him, and then okay. the only other thing that is of interest here is they're like, okay, we need to figure out how to deal with this all father Ultron. 
Zane uses his nano ants to repair the the busted um, time gun, aging gun, aging yeah. ray. They pull it. They put it on full on max in reverse. Okay, and shoot Ultron with it, baby Ray. Mm-hmm. And it says info detail: Ant Man has set the Time Master's ray in reverse, removing the artificial aging that transformed Ultron into the All Father. Reader instruction: Contemplate what this process might do to an already temporarily temporarily unstable Ultron. Would it destroy him entirely, maroon him once again in the time stream, or send him back into the past? Spoiler warning, future Marvel narrative experiences hold the answer. And so, <laughs> and so, like, the blast has All Father Ultron, and then behind it has Annihilation Conquest Ultron, where he merged with the Phalanx. Yeah. And then the Ultron that most people know, and then Ultron Mark II, and then the very first version of Ultron, where he was like a bot on wheels. Sure. <laughs> Freaking Dalek. <laughs> and so visually represented are these like five versions of Ultron, but all four, the, the last four were pre-merging with Hank. Right. And so, but... That was like the second to last page. So he gets shot into back reversed into the time stream. Plus, we have this concept of if you really were Hank Pym, you would have split yourself from from Ultron. So it feels like this book exists to start the return story. Uh, start the return of Hank Pym. Well, I know you've been. I know you've been itching for that. You said you were. He's ready. a founding Avenger. He, yeah. yeah, he was one of my deep cuts that I want to see. I come remember back. this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I still disagree with your, you know, idea of what a deep cut is. But <laughs> I mean, okay, it's deep cut for what I read. Right. <laughs> my deep, like the deepest cut for me is 2002. I'm just saying, like, he's not like an unknown character. He's not an unknown, but anyone, but like nobody, like anyway, people who all that have gotten into Marvel in the last fifteen years know him as Michael Douglas and retired and old, and he is fair so much more than that. Fair. <laughs> Would you say so? Eric O'Grady is the irredeemable Ant Man, right? Y- yes and no. Like, well, that's his. They tag both line, had the right? title. They've both had the oh. comic book title of Irredeemable, Scott and Eric. Oh, but okay. when you're referring to like all three, typically Eric yeah. is the Irredeemable, yes. So that would make Hank Pym the Redeemable Ant-Man. That's what the writers would want you to believe, yeah. Because <laughs> everyone's uh, cause always trying to redeem him. I know. I mean, it, it's and, so, and it never takes. He always still needs more redeeming. I think that I think that we've got it all wrong. I think I think Hank Pym is actually the irredeemable Ant Man. I think you know. So it's kind of it's not funny, but like conceptually, like Hank is the only one whose manifestation of their like quote unquote quirk. His is like depression. Yeah, is the most heinous or like unwalk backable right domestic violence and also is is not something to be made light of and like and and they keep on bringing it back up on him i mean it's it it's what makes him like unique as a character like Mm -hmm. at a certain point like a lot of these superheroes kind of run together it's like oh you've got another you know like tortured genius cool oh this guy like 
<laughs> he actually, you know, committed domestic violence. That's that's different. Let's let's hold on to this as something that actually differentiates this character from, you know, mm-hmm. Beast or Iron Man or Reed Richards, you know? And and so mm-hmm. I feel like there's there's almost no choice but to kind of like make that his thing. Not let him live that down. Yeah. yeah. And so that's because because no one in the universe lets him forget it, he's never able to not be like never able to like actually work on his depression. Right. And like Janet is the real spotlight of that, of just like she yep. has gone, she's moved past that. Yep. Totally. <laughs> and like it just from a fan of Marvel's perspective, it sucks that he was deemed this new idea of this of the scientist supreme mm-hmm. and that is he was the chosen of infinity to be the scientist supreme because he invents for the sake of inventing right compared to compared to tony or reed richards right. who arguably are better inventors or better builders right but they always have a purpose and right. he, he does it for the love of the invention for the love of the game but then man. Yeah, for the love of the game. And as amazing and so as he, much potential is, as that He is could to have, science what Felicia Hardy is to, to thieving. To thieving, yeah. But we found the through line of the episode. Never, Let's go. <laughs> but they never let that be the run line because yeah. he's also a domestic abuser. Yeah. And like, ugh, just there. I want. I want more for Hank Pym, I guess is what I'm saying. I get that. And, you know, I also do believe in like the, the idea that, you know, redemption is extremely powerful and something that we should extend to people, even domestic abusers, like, and that, you know, there is sort of like a, a life after that, a a way to, to kind of change yourself after working on yourself, like narratively, politically, spiritually, I feel all these things, but I think that's just always going to be a, a softer like character aspect than like, Oh yeah. He hit his wife. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there was another point I was going to run home, but I, I don't. Oh, well, it yeah, seems he, like you liked this one. I, I did. I was surprised. Yeah. Primarily because it's planting the seeds to bring Hank back. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, We've been since he's been gone. Since he's been gone, we uh-huh. have we've been introduced to Nadia Van Dyne, right. his his daughter, yeah, from his first marriage, and like right. her entire like Hank is her hero, right? And the entire reason why she busted herself out of the red room, right, and became a hero was in Hank Pym's honor. And like, I want him to meet her. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. He doesn't know she exists. Yeah, and it's just like, man, like there, there are so many, just like, just, just like a world tour for Hank when he comes back <laughs> is going to be, yeah, like there's going to be so much good payoff stories there. there. Yeah, yes. I think the only, the only sort of like obstacle is the same one that. Hank Pym has been dealing with for, you know, 40 years now, which is like, what is he as a character? Yeah. 
besides the guy who did the domestic abuse like what what yeah and that's like, that's what 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 do you have problem. to offer the marvel universe that isn't accomplished with other characters mm-hmm. because at least with other people i get like unless he like leans into like a q type position mm. where he's making like which is like what he did with west coast Krakoa. avengers and yeah. that that's your favorite him <laughs> iteration of all time don't right? lie to me well, and say like, it's not it's the best one but like if he went down a route of like let me upgrade everybody mm, because yeah. tony stark for all of his genius still doesn't do this mm, he did yeah. it in fear itself with asgardian enchanted uru right. for the climax but yeah. then the dwarves of nita valir were like well you're not taking this with you <laughs> right. but like and and like at least for a run because oh man he was the head of avengers ai which is a really cool idea mm-hmm. because he's so entwined with ai stuff with ultron right. all that kind of stuff yep. and so like that led that paved the way for a lot of conversations about ai and identity in marvel yeah. And so like like let him let I don't know just let him do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I I was excited for this because I thought it was going to be a, a non-starter. I thought this book was going to be just like really random or a way to it wasn't a way to introduce a new Ant-Man, but I thought it was going to be a new current Ant-Man and I was like, right. oh, okay, here we go. Yeah, you're going to have a yeah. Yeah, but Ant-Man of the few of the year 2549. We either we'll either take them or we won't, but like it doesn't right. <laughs> it doesn't take away from yeah, whatever they want to do with Hank. So sure. Oh man. Yeah. So it was it was fun. It was fun. I also liked, I was impressed that they were like, oh, let's pull all these like Ant-Man origin story villains. Um <laughs> and that was that was kind of fun. Yeah. But yeah, so I like that. And then um, I can summarize New Fantastic Four in like three sentences. Okay. So <laughs> New Fantastic Four takes place in in the past after Hulk, Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Ghost Rider did their whole Fantastic Four thing. Yeah. And let's see. Thing is gone. It's currently She-Thing. Right. Sharon Ventura. Mm-hmm. Also goes by Sherry, apparently. Mm-hmm. Danny Ketch is the current ghostwriter, and Hulk is currently Joe Fixit, uh, working as muscle for a local mobster and dating a woman named Marlo. Right. So it opens with us intro- getting introduced. And Marlo to- would eventually marry Rick Jones, I think. I believe so as well. I was one I of the. Tell you that with any confident certainty but one of the yeah. first comics i ever owned was an ash can uh about the the wedding of marlo and rick jones oh <laughs> i Crazy. had no con- context for any of it i was like cool i guess i don't know who these characters are <laughs> amazing we, we get introduced to this priest his name is john priest <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he, without, I mean, I, I'm not going to bury the lead. So it's not Christopher has, Priest, though. No, his name is John Priest. So okay. he has he has the power to make wishes come true. Basically, okay. his wish come true. His okay. wish. He comes across a demon down in the sewers of Las Vegas, and he's 
And he thinks back to a Daily Bugle article that he saw with the new Fantastic Four. And he says, oh, man, I wish Fantastic Four were here to help me deal with this demon. <laughs> and then flat, flash over to uh, New York, Ghost uh, Spider-Man, Ghost Rider, and Wolverine all get this like compelled feeling to be like, I should go to Vegas. <laughs> so they all go to Vegas and meet up with Joe Fixit. And he's like, you too, huh? And they're like, yeah, I don't know what happened. And then I feel like I should go to Vegas means a very different thing for each of those characters. <laughs> right. But they were all compelled. Like for Ghost Rider, it's like, I need to stop some Hell Lord shit. For Wolverine, it's like, I need to go on a bender for at least three weeks, <laughs> etc. Yep. And then Priest is. What else did he do? Oh, they meet up and he's like, I think I was just thinking about you guys. I'm so glad you guys are here. And then they get introduced to the primary bad guy, Osmodeus. And they have their comic book fight. And then Priest is like, crap, I shouldn't be here. I wish I was somewhere else. And then he shows up in Reno. He's like, how is this happening? And he's starting to realize, oh my gosh, I have like Mm. wish powers. And then... Turns out that he has these abilities and they started manifesting because of syzygy, which is something that happens once every 2,100 years where all eight slash nine planets are aligned perfectly. Okay. And when that happens, magic and demon powers are escalated to nth degree. And it turns out... Was it nine planets in this... Because Pluto is still categorized as a planet in the 90s when the original New Fantastic Four was published. So it's the way it's listed in the way it's explained in the book is all the planets are aligned. Okay. So we don't have, we get to dodge that particular taxonomical (laughs) bullet. And I can, I can go and try and find the one there, there's a, there's like no, two it's good. Pages. I was just trying right. to make a stupid joke. I don't, I know, I don't but, actually care. So because <laughs> well, because I was going down that same mental pathway. So now I'm telling you where I'm at. So okay, okay, okay. <laughs> there is one page that has that shows all of the planets in alignment, and okay. I don't remember how many if how many are out past like Neptune and Uranus. Uh-huh. So like if there is a Pluto in there, I don't remember. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> because I impulse read this book last night. I'm yeah. just I'm just giving you the gist of it. That's fair. But anyway, yeah. so it's either all eight or all nine planets, but all the planets are aligned. Okay. Which opens up a whole other can of worms of like what's defined as a planet. Like right. because <laughs> if prophecies from 50 years ago in stories <laughs> were nine planets, but then you're telling the same prophecy now. Yeah. Is like, it, did, Pluto did human t- history rewrite prophecies right. to make it so it's only eight planets? <laughs> or, or did the original prophecies only ever include eight planets? Right. And because they humans knew, just got Pluto wrong. <laughs> yeah. They just knew that, that it was going to, they had to deliberately miss word. You know, or make the the wording of the prophecy vague and say all of the planets in order to keep, you know, us from changing the timeline based on our knowledge that Pluto (laughs) would not be a planet. Exactly. So so John Priest's powers are I hate that I've read enough comics that I can just make that say these things retcon on the fly. Oh, man. John Priest's powers are manifesting because of syzygy, and 
It happens once every 2100 years, but it, it came and went within an issue. Okay. And Mephisto gets involved and he's like, man, what a waste of, what a waste of a syzygy, but okay. And when priest, when John priest meets Mephisto, he's like, wait, so like Satan. And they're like, nah, that's a different, <laughs> that's a, he's, this is the king of hell. And he's like, wait, Satan He's like, nah, that's, that's a different hell. Don't and worry. He's about like, it. wait, <laughs> how many hells are there? And catch is like 13 he's like, figures. Just fun. I love yeah. that there's 13 hells. <laughs> anyway. So turns out John Priest's origin is Mephisto took over the body or impersonated this black priest way back in the day. And there was a brand new nun who was having, who's basically sex addicted and she was having trouble with her desires and Mephisto, Mephisto in the disguise uh, replaced because he killed this black priest, and so he's just took his form and is hanging okay. out at this church. Takes advantage of her and hooks up with her in his office, and then she becomes pregnant, and she ends up dying in a gutter because she fell victim to all of her addictions. Yikes. But she ended That's up dark. having the child. Yeah, she she had the child in Texas because Texas Cause, has because abortions are illegal there. Well, so the way it's explained is they had what is called a safe haven or baby Moses law where you can abandon a child at a church without it being a crime. Sure. So she'd left him in a basket outside of a church. He gets adopted, goes, gets given to a good home. She, she ends up dying. So she's not a character to be used later. And John Priest is Mephisto's son. And so that's why he has these like wish powers. Got you. Okay. And it ends with Mephisto being like, Vegas is fun. I have to remember to come back here. Uh, Foreshadowed to throw forward Hotel Inferno. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then Priest leaving and uh, getting offered a ride by Damon Hellstrom. Okay. So somewhere in 616, a wish granting, reality warping son of. Mephisto is hanging out or in some sort of contact with Damon Hellstrom, both as sons of Mephisto. Sure. And how much you want to bet it's not, they're never seen again. Two bucks. But I, I think, (laughs) I think he's going to show up. Shut up. Okay. Like, but at the same time, like how, cause like, yeah, his power is only manifested because of the syzygy, which happens once every 2100 years. But Will his training? But Marvel doesn't get give a shit about Damon? things like that. You know, the, well, the door to Kundalini like is supposed to open once every seven years, and it's like yeah, but just perpetually open. Anytime you want. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those things where, so like, now that you've that experienced fucker. it, now you know the feel, which means it's something you can tap into. And so, will hanging out with Damon Hellstrom, will he teach him how to use it better? But if he does, then you have a character who literally can warp reality. So Reed Richards gets the original fan four get involved. It doesn't really matter, but basically Reed and, and Dr. Strange are like, Holy wait, there's someone running around with a reality warping powers, just chilling. Uh And he's the son of Satan. What? (laughs) 
that's, we're all just cool that's with this. not safe. <laughs> yeah. So concept like big picture down sure. the line, you're going to have this guy who can just wish things and they've already, they've explored the limitations of his power in the sense that he can only affect himself or inanimate objects. Okay. So like he, tr- uh, he came across Danny catch wrapped up in uh, crimson bands of Sidorak. And he wished Danny Ketch out of the bands and it didn't work. And then in a panic, he said, I wish those bands would just go away and the bands disappeared. So he can't okay. affect other people because that's why he didn't summon. He, he That's why they didn't just the new fan four didn't just, just teleport appear. to Vegas. Gotcha. They got a like desire to go to Vegas. Okay. But when he wished he was somewhere else, he just teleported to Reno immediately. Okay. So they within these like four, four or five, I forget how many issues, we've already explored how his powers can work. So I really I think they're going to use him down the line. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see. Anyway. Anyway. That. <laughs> Gambit. Gambit. Are we doing Gambit first or are you gonna make me wait? No, I'm doing do I'm last? doing Gambit first. I read it okay. first, I'm doing it first. <laughs> This is story arc called The Assassination Game. And so just setting the stage here a little bit, right? Like we did Revolution a few weeks ago, which one third of the X-Men titles basically went back in storytelling time. And then we did Counter X where X-Force and Generation X and not back in time, back in storytelling like style, right? Like went backwards in the history of the comics medium to go to Chris Claremont's bullshit, which I love so much. And then one third went forward, you know, and and this really sort of modern or contemporary storytelling from Warren Ellis and folks. And then this is this, uh, this podcast deals with the other third Gambit, Cable and Wolverine. And the answer, you know, these went back, these went forward. What happens with these other three? Spoiler alert, they stay exactly the same. This it, it just continues being 90s comics for these three titles. <laughs> okay. But you know, we had a lot of we had some big creative team changes for all of these uh you know for the for the revolution. And these are no these ones are no exception. Fabian Nicheza is still writing Gambit, but Steve Scrooge or Scrochy or whatever is out. It's a shame. I really enjoyed his kind of just like really kinetic action scenes and I've commented mm. on that several times in the pod. Anyway, recap on the Gambit title. Last we saw Gambit, he went back in the past, uh, he went back in time in order to save his father because his father remembered him saving him. And by father, I mean adopted father, Jean-Luc Lebeau, who is, mm-hmm. you know, several hundred years old because of the anti-aging stuff from Kandra and the tithe that the Thieves and Assassins Guild have with Kandra the External. So he went back a hundred years in time and didn't have a way back to the present. And in order to get back, he needed help from Sinister. And basically, a lot of this is kind of explained a little quickly, but he needed sinister to undo an operation that sinister's older self did in the future right okay and it was an operation on it you know he was like checking out 
Sinister was checking out Gambit and he was like, there's some familiar work in here. <laughs> Turns out that Gambit's powers in their natural state are an external field to his body. He doesn't have to touch things. He has a charging field and he can also charge human tissue to explode. Oh, he can God. also internalize a certain amount of this power to make him faster and stronger and give him a slow healing factor. Uh. He had the initial, so this is <laughs> so what we're talking about with Gambit's power. Yeah. Trait. Okay. He had, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. He had the initial operation from Sinister when he was a teenager because his powers were out of control. He was afraid he was going to blow up the whole fucking world. So he went to Sinister, had Sinister cut out, you know, the piece of his brain that, or whatever, that made his powers go all haywire. Mm -hmm. So this is what put him in Sinister's debt vis-a-vis his involvement in the mutant massacre, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So all of these sort of mysterious plot threads of Gambit's past are, are getting connected together. And so while he's in the past, he has Sinister undo this operation and these supercharged powers are what allow him to get back to the present. Somehow that's not really yeah. explained very well. Okay. He like <laughs> powers a time machine with that. There's something, I don't know, fucking comics, whatever. Explode through time. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just exploded a hundred years like of, of, of time. He exploded yeah. time itself. He exploded the time behind himself. Oh, there we go. Yes, yes, yes. He exploded the past to get to the present. (laughs) That sounds fucking dope, actually. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) Man, like a celestially powered gambit can explode time. Yeah. Down. So anyway. AXE people, here it comes. Yeah. (laughs) So he's, he's got... You know, the the whole problem when he was young was he didn't have good control of this. He still doesn't have good control of this, but he, you know, does, and he kind of like, he's better than he was when he was a kid, but he still loses control when he has, when his emotions are running high, et cetera, et cetera. Luckily, Gambit never has his emotions run high. He's a real, you know... Straightforward, even kill, even kill kind of guy, right? So he goes to see Rogue. (laughs) 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 And his powers also work that he can touch Rogue now. So they can smooch, do all the things, but he's still, you know, really troubled because they can't ever, you know, just fucking be happy. And he basically is like, listen, you and me, we, we can't, we can't keep, you know, I, I told you all this stuff. I like got all these things about like sinister, my powers, like we can't keep, we, we need to give ourselves, you know, like the, the opportunity to like have a good life and be honest and, and, and like actually make this relationship work. Cause we're just these two people who just keep like, or there's a quote here for two people who keep saying we want love. We sure do go an awful long way to avoid it. Right. You know what always kept us apart? We did. Both of us have been running away so long that uh, to run into each other would have meant confronting and dealing and accepting everything that happened in our past. I'm ready to change and move forward, but I can't do it with you unless you're ready to do it for yourself. So, like, 
no more secrets between us, right, Rogue? Cool. What's your real name? Because at this point, I mean, we still don't know her, you know, right? her last name at birth. But at this point, we don't even know her first name. She's just Rogue. What's your real name? And she's like, uh, he's like, fuck this. <laughs> so he leaves the X-Men to become the leader of the Thieves Guild, which is the status quo that we learned from the, from X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. Right. Uh-huh. As he's like kind of doing his last rounds at the mansion, he gets randomly attacked by Batrock, the leaper and Zaron, the weapons master, presumably just because the issue needed a fight scene. He fights them both off in two pages. And then after that, he gets ambushed and run through by Bullseye. The Assassin's Guild comes to also kill Gambit, but they chase off Bullseye before Bullseye can finish the job. So it's just like this, this you know, lobster Shotgun bucket. The, yeah. You know, just like assassins stopping other assassins from assassinating Gambit because they want to assassinate him themselves. So he heals up at the Thieves Guild headquarters and then Constrictor attacks. We've had so much Constrictor lately in Deadpool, et cetera, et cetera. Constrictor has his vibranium coil back and a contract on, uh, and a new contract on Gambit, both thanks to Justin Hammer. And then Deadpool comes out of nowhere with a baseball bat to Constrictor's head, says, sorry, Rumi, because they are roommates at this point. So Deadpool's the, the latest assassin in the assassin, assassination game. And Gambit's like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you double. You know, that whole thing. He's like, I was just in the past. I made some investments, got a bunch of money now. Why don't I give you some? And so Deadpool's like, cool, I'm out. And then this character named Jack Farley attacks. He was in issue one through five, but I forgot about him. Anyway, he has adopted the code name Fireballs and everybody makes fun of him for it. Good reason. Fireballs multiple? Yeah, multiple. Fireballs plural. Okay. Anyway, so when Batrock and Zoran attacked Cable, or sorry, attacked um, Gambit at the X-Mansion, he left them, you know, tied up for the police to get blah, 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 standard superhero procedure. Val Cooper got intel that some supervillains were arrested in Salem Center. And she's like, well, as the mutant liaison for the government, this catches my interest. So I'm going to, you know, something, something Gambit's in trouble. I'm going to assign FBI agent Carl Denty to his case. If you remember that name. Carl Denty is the executioner, or he was. He uh. earlier in in this run of Gambit, they had a run in, and he after that he saw the folly of his ways and quit being the executioner. He was left in left for dead in a space station, but blah 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 comics. Now he feels guilty about you know executioning and actually wants to defend Gambit. And so he picks Gambit up from the fight with fireballs, just driving past in a car, but they're attacked by somebody else who's wearing the executioner armor. We never learn who that is or why. And then we've got some asides here. If you remember the, the supporting cast from this uh, book, we've got Fontenelle, the, the dream psychic. Right. And Courier, the shapeshifter who got stuck in their female 
body form because something something sinister and that's how sinister got the ability to shapeshift was napping mm-hmm. it off of courier mm-hmm. so they're they've both been working for the new son this whole time who's been who's you know being presented as the big bad of the plot kind of this like character who is always sort of like portrayed as just a, a humanoid shape of energy with no like features or anything right and they're both kind of like they've been watching the new son kind of lose it and they're considering breaking away from new son to help remy and courier calls warren to go help help gambit out of course warren has also been tabbed by the new son to go kill remy so they're starting to make their break Batrock and Zarin, another fight scene. Crossbones enters the whole fucking thing because why not? Uh-huh. Gambit and Belladonna end up at a collapsed building together and the guilds work together to fight off all the other assassins. And Belladonna admits, I took this contract just to get close to you to figure out why I still love you. Remy's like, well, I don't, but let's drop <laughs> the guild fight. And that's how the guilds become reunited which is part of the whole prophecy that, you know, something, something, the old kingdom of the LeBeau clan, something, something prophecy that has to do with the Thieves Guild. And so basically, yeah, all these random characters are trying to assassinate Remy, right? It's a little ridiculous. We learned that New Sun planned all of this to make Remy escalate his power usage, just like continually make him test and escalate his new powers and it's working. And then angel arrives for the cliffhanger and basically perpetrates the attack out in the open and the X-Men come to the rescue. It turns out that angel did this on purpose to not have to go through with the assassination. It also turns out that Warren was the one who alerted the thieves guild to help Remy. The whole thing, this, the whole like arc that angel went through during the twelve which is maybe like the most interesting character work that happened in the 12 of like, I need to move forward and become like people's angel in terms of like inspiration. He, that whole thing has changed him and changed the way that he feels about Remy, for example, because he was like kind of leading the charge back in the day when Gambit was left in Antarctica to die. You know, it was like, yeah, the, his whole trial in Antarctica was like, you know, basically he was really heated because the mutant massacre that Remy was party to was how he lost his wings. So he's all changed. And hey, look at that. Like a change that happens for a character away from their status quo actually coming up in an, in a different title and being referenced. What? It's crazy. It happens like once every six years. (laughs) (laughs) So Gambit finally comes clean with the X-Men team about the new son who he's been doing jobs with this whole time, you know, while also having rejoined the X-Men. They're all like, what the hell? Why didn't you tell us? And he's like, you guys don't trust me, have never trusted me. Like, (laughs) goes both ways. Come on. So anyway, we get kind of a peek into New Sun's hideout. It's called the Crystal Cathedral. It exists outside of time and space because, of course, 
Quiet Bill, who is a minor character who's been introduced in this run. He was a homeless mutant who has the power to make like doorways between realities, basically. Makes a doorway in the X-Mansion. The team goes to check it out. Warren and Gambit cross paths in the cathedral. They shake on it and they go after the new sun together. And like, you know, so Gambit and the new sun have a fight scene. Their powers cancel each other out because dun, 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 new sun is another Gambit. I thought it was going to be a brother. Okay. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. This this crazy ascended energy being who is plotting across time and space and also provides some sort of connection to this witness prophecy that we've had about Gambit in the future, mm-hmm. right? Like, all of a sudden, Gambit has these, these sort of, like, implications of cosmic importance. Yeah, the, so the... The rest of the X-Men went in the, in the, the portal with them, but kind of split off at a certain point. They found Quiet Bill and his homeless friend Huey, and the cathedral starts to collapse. The new sun falls into a portal, and you know, it seems to just kind of go pop. And it's, you know, they later explain, well, he was kind of just like stuck in, you know, outside of time and space, but also later like well that never stops anybody for long so uh (laughs) there's so many locations in between moments right (laughs) oh that doesn't even i'll get to another location in between moments when i start talking about cable (laughs) but yeah so they they uh you know the X-Men with Quiet Bill and Huey and Angel and Gambit and Courier get out of the Crystal Cathedral. So it's just uh what's his name? The the new son who gets trapped behind during the the poppage. And Courier's like, so who do you think he really was? A future you or a past you or an alternate you or a clone from Sinister or what? Gambit's like <laughs> beyond (laughs) literally anything I ever think about. Yeah. (laughs) That's out of my character grade. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) And then we've got a a backup story going on here. Uh, Jean-Luc LeBeau, Remy's adopted father, goes to re-recruit a banished member of the Thieves Thieves Guild, a sorcerer named Antiquary, because Jean-Luc is preparing for the return of the Old Kingdom that I mentioned earlier. And... Stephen Strange pops in and says, what the fuck are you doing? This guy was banished for a reason. Oh. Yeah. Fun. Okay. And, and, and we'll end this on a cliffhanger. And then the last time we talk about Gambit will be the end of the, the whole title. And the last time we see a Gambit title for about 25 years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can really trace, you know, like Deadpool, the Deadpool title and the Gambit title started around the same time. And just like, which which one, you know, the, the Gambit title honestly, like, did pretty well by their solo title standards. Like, it lasted a whole 25 issues. And yeah. like, compared to Maverick or Quicksilver or, oh, God. <laughs> So many of these that just kind of go nowhere. So, you know, good on him to to get 25 issues. But at this point, Deadpool's now survived 
its first two writers and uh, is, you know, 50 plus issues and counting. So, and now you look at the trajectories of where those characters are today. You're like, oh, one of these had more legs. It's interesting. <laughs> just like, you know, this, this, this Gambit title has been a fun ride. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. But it's, especially with the, the, the sun or the, whatever the, yeah, the sun. The new sun. Yeah. Yeah. The new sun. Like, I wasn't just letting you stumble there on purpose, although that's also entertaining. I was taking a drink of water. Sorry. It's, it's fine. But like, because that, oh man, that's a fun. Man, knowing this, just these like five issues or whatever. Like, yeah. Right? More Gambit backstory in the last like 15 minutes than you've ever had in your life. <laughs> seriously but like it just it makes it it shows the like untapped potential that gambit is and was <laughs> right because part like, of it is like well now they explained it all like right but the, all but, of all of these like you know big big man of mystery questions they're just like huh guess guess they're not a mystery anymore okay yeah ball it up so, and throw it in the waste paper <laughs> basket so in my in my collection, I did a I did a search for Gambit. Mm-hmm. I have six books with the word Gambit in it. Okay, and there's his Gambit solo title, which went three volumes in the early early teens. Yeah, and that just the whole point of that was just him becoming the king of the thieves guild. Sure, there's the two volumes of Rogue and Gambit mm-hmm. where they get married and they and. They introduce Xandra, the sure. daughter of Xavier and Lalandra. Yeah. And then there's Deadpool versus Gambit. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> one shot. <laughs> right. So not a lot of solo titles here. No. And like, I don't know. I guess if more, I, <laughs> this whole explanation of his powers thing is yeah. what's really standing out to me. <laughs> I know. I knew that. I knew. <laughs> this would get you like any of this like oh so that's oh okay you know like a character becoming more powerful or their powers working different or deeper explanation of their powers like this shit's fucking Mm. kryptonite Mm. to you give it off (laughs) oh man (laughs) dude because like that's that's such a like usable and malleable the way that they've explained his powers like yeah clearly he understands it because he's using to an extent he's using those powers in excalibur right and that's what's throwing me off right but like there's so they're like there's so much <laughs> more you can do with this now yeah <laughs> and then and then whatever this new sun like give i want to bring new sun back but the thing is, the other thing, Gambit already kind of has too many powers. Like, he's got some sort of, like, hypnotic suggestion thing going on. He's got, like, mm-hmm. resistance to telepathy. You know, he can, yeah, like... Plus all of his death powers. Right. Oh, God. Don't even... They, dude, they refuse to let go of that. I wish they would. It's... It was... I love Peter Milligan's X-Force slash Ecstatics his time on X-Men was so bad. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway. Damn. Well, I see why, 
I like I'm starting to see why uh Gambit is slash was your favorite character though. Oh, I, I didn't know any of this when I I know, right? But like now it's like <laughs> it's now it's really now it's really Yeah. I'm 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 here for it, man. I've, literally <laughs> I I was in third grade and all of all of uh my friend Elliot, you know, decided that all of us, the third the the boys in Miss Dickey's third grade class, and the girls too, although they didn't know it and weren't gonna train like we were, but decided that we were all mutants. That all of our power sets mapped onto an established X Men character, and I was, I was uh, white <laughs> and had brown <laughs> hair, but I wasn't very Cyclopsy. It was like, how about Gambit? How does that work for you? Well, first he was like, maybe you're Colossus, and he's like, oh, but you're not strong. Like you're you're weak as fuck. <laughs> like you're tall. Like Colossus, but you're weak as hell. So uh, Gambit, I was like, yes, let's do Gambit. Yes, he's yes, in the cartoon. <laughs> Man, but can you imagine if like that's all it took? Like, like in Sandman, where the guy's just like, I decided I'm not going to die, and Death is like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, there's a version of this though that's like dark as hell because also we had to start training our powers because the instant they started manifesting, you know, the Sentinels were going to come down from the San Ynez mountains and kill us all. Like that was, that was ingrained. I I was never told presently in our minds. Yes. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 30 years ago was a different time. (laughs) Fun. Fun. Okay, cool. Cable, well, shall I move on? Let's do Cable. <laughs> okay. So Cable's walking around, you know, walking through Manhattan. is uh, kind of feeling weird about himself. It's like, well, my life's work has just been accomplished. Like my entire reason for being killing Apocalypse, you know, is real dead now. Also, my dad's dead. That kind of sucks, but I didn't really know him that well anyway. So like, What's next for me? Like, where? What, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Who am I? What's going on? And he's just kind of wandering around. And he sees a vision of some women quoting Macbeth, like witchy shit, right? And it's like real maiden, mother, crone, three witches, and they're saying that he and it, right, like the witches from from Macbeth. So cool. Mm-hmm. And they say some shit about how he has like a bunch of tests and he will have to fight some things and give him warning that a guy who is possessed by a demonish entity named Antaros, who is one of the, quote, undying. Turns out there are five undying. Uh, they have an ally named Azazel or Azazel, but a different one than Nightcrawler's father. So okay. anyway, this guy or who is possessed by this undying entity and Taros is going to do a mass shooting at Madison square garden. Cable gets there just in time. Dude explodes himself, but cable, you know, puts a telekinetic bubble around him. Demon manifests out of the body gets away, blah, blah, blah. And later wakes up inside a character named blockade who was in previous issues of cable. He was this red skinned guy with like in, super strength, you know, your standard super strength and vulnerability powers, blah, 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 who attacked Domino a few issues back and Cable mind wiped him, left him as a vegetable in a hospital and Taros pops up inside him and starts, you know, walking around. It's like, ah, Cable. 
Rar. Rar. So there's this future society that got teased in the last issue before the revolution. They were keeping tabs on time travelers and because they come from uh, an alternate future and, and they want to make sure that that alternate future actually happens. So they're monitoring time travels throughout time, uh, time travelers to keep them from disrupting the time stream, which is a cool idea. Honestly, that's kind of cool. You, Cause you always see it from the alternate perspective, right? Uh-huh. So anyway, they abduct, abduct him, uh, accuse him from being a place from a place called harmony. And then they get their asses beat. Cable just hands it to them. It kind of comes to this realization like, oh, without Apocalypse, they're still evil and soldiers never get to retire. Okay, whatever. Cable's then transported to a place that just really looks like Oz or whatever. You know, <laughs> the, the, the fantastical like crystalline buildings and flowing okay. gardens. Emerald City type thing. Emerald City, uh, you know, beautiful nature, gardens, waterfalls everywhere, blah, 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 shit. And there's this chick with purple hair who's just like hanging out painting with the uh, hangout with her pet saber tooth tiger, like you do. Her name is Ayla, Ayla, E-Y-L-A, Ayla Seer. He gets a little crush on her, which is convenient because he just broke up with his girlfriend, Stacy. And <laughs> turns out they are in the city of Nears in the land of Harmony, which was what he was just accused of being from, from that future society. Mm-hmm. And the... Harmony apparently has been renamed from Earth. And Nathan is... <laughs> so Earth, has, the planet has been renamed Harmony. Nathan's a special guest because, oh, we don't get a whole lot of visitors around here. They they also say like, hey, we can cure that techno-organic virus you're carrying right? around there. Just fucking get rid of it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> You've got so many opportunities. Man's got to have hobbies. <laughs> Harmony is at war with an alternate timeline, the Ranchi Empire, and that's who abducted er, who uh, abducted Cable earlier, or his attackers whose asses he beat earlier. And they basically learn from all of uh, the Harmony people have have the technology to just like unobtrusive. Uh, unobtrusively listen through history so they can go back and learn from shit like sit in on Socrates debating philosophy or, you know, Brahms concerts and stuff like that. Uh, Cool idea. But so instead of the watchers, they're the listeners. Right. But of course they do Nazi ass eugenics and they forbid mutants and the X gene in their collective genome. So then how could, how could cable be from this time? Whatever. Yeah, no, and that and that's the thing is that the Rachni Ranchi Rachni is from Mass Effect. <laughs> Sim- uh-huh. Sim- simple Sorry. displacement of letters here. The Ranchi folks uh, understand this, and they're like, "Oh, oh. He, he he's a mutant. He couldn't have been from Harmony." Oh, so they okay. they they crash this big party that Har- uh, you know the Ranch Ranchi folk attack the the harmony timeline and 
attack this party that they've thrown in Cable's honor. Cable falls back into the 20th century, back into his safe house. So Irene Merriweather, the, um, the journalist who's been sort of like writing his story, takes Cable to see a journalistic source of hers, a secretive guy who goes by the name of Clarity. And Clarity is introduced as the Earth's first digital man. And he has hundreds of like computers and TVs and radios all just blaring around him at all times. And he can absorb and make sense of all of the information streams simultaneously, recognize patterns, give insights based on it, etc. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Something easy to do in the late 90s. A little bit harder <laughs> right. to make convincing in the, in the 21st century. <laughs> right. Visitors to him need, I, I know, just the idea that you would have radios and televisions going on instead of just like you have a direct screens. Like, you just have an <laughs> Ethernet jack in, <laughs> in your five fucking brainstem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so visitors to this guy Clarity need to wear special glasses and headsets to filter out all of this information overload or it'll drive them mad. <laughs> I kind of love and hate this power. Like, how cool would it be? But also, like, fuck, this is... Just tag me next time. I'm already on the internet way too much. Right? It's interesting. Oh, man. It's one of those, like, really cool idea of the time. But then if you were to update it for modern storytelling, yeah. it becomes a real interesting hassle. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, remember that guy, that demon guy in Taros in the body of blockade, him and the ranchy soldiers attack at the same time at clarity's, you know, place. Apparently the secretive source is not that secretive or whatever, or I think they were just tracking cable, but whatever. Next, Cable is transported to the Ranchi timeline, and he comes face-to-face with Princess Sandella Ranchi. She recognizes Cable as the nexus of the timeline split that split off the Ranchi Empire from the Harmony timeline. And right after that happens, Cable is zooped back to the present again. And so this guy who was speaking at Madison Square Garden, where the, the initial mass shooting was supposed to take place. Uh, a dude named Randall Shire is, turns out he ha- is turning people into slaves at his events using his voice. And the whole thing at the Madison Square Garden was like, oh, this is my biggest, you know, wave of, of slaves yet. Goody me, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, he's got these hench folks Key, a, a hacker named Key, and a tough guy named Wall. They are brothers and they're mutants. They ran in a circus once upon a time, and Shire was a harmless clown and hypnotist. But then Shire was possessed by a different one of the Undying named Semijan. And we also learn that he also managed to manages to bring poor old GW bridge under his fold. Cause after, you know, after there's a uh, mass shooting, he's like, Oh, we need to, you know, uh, shield needs to be on this case, get you some protection, hypnotizes him, hypnotizes shield agents that he brings to the detail, et cetera, et cetera. 
And we also learn that the Ranchi Empire is short for Randall Shire. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, and Enteros as blockade, you know, lost that battle. So in, in mid fight, he just like cracks his own neck, just like moves it to to kill himself using only his his neck muscles, just like snaps his own spinal column. Wow. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, it's hardcore. And he takes over Irene's body next. And so Cable, in order to he realizes like, oh, once this guy is in a body, the body needs to die for him to like release himself essentially. And so he calls an ambulance telepathically. And then he stops right the, the moment the ambulance is about to arrive. He like keeps the fight going long enough to until the ambulance arrives and then stops Irene's heart telekinetically. And so then the um, uh, Antaros leaves the body once the heart is stopped and then the ambulance is able to revive her. Wow. Cool use of powers, I thought. Yeah. Anyway, Clarity finds this... The, this ally to the undying Azazel, Azazel, that we were talking about before. The girl from Harmony, Erisir, and her her father go back in time to 616, and the Ranchis are converging on the exact same point. Elisir and Princess Ranchi come face-to-face. Turns out they are the same person in different timelines. They are also both... Aaliyah, Cable's dead wife from his own future. Damn. Right? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, shit's heavy. And every time I write down Aaliyah's name in my notes, I I spell it like the the singer. (laughs) But there's only one A in her name. Anyway, that's an aside. So we learned that Cable... Cable's role in this sort of timeline nexus, he's supposed to either prevent Shire from being assassinated, which will allow his empire to spread across the galaxy, or fail, but Shire is killed, uh, or fail to prevent the assassination, Shire is killed, his message of peace, and Nazi ass eugenics lives on. And that is the, you know, the first one becomes the Ranchi Empire, the second becomes Harmony. And so the assassin who is supposed to kill Randallshire at this nexus moment is Domino, who's also possessed by Intaros. So kind of ongoing during this arc, Cable has had Black, Blake Smith working on an immobilizing device, uses it to stop the assassination and stop Intaros from killing Domino by, uh, and jumping to another body, right? Because even her neck muscles can't move, so she can't. He uh, Antaros can't have her kill herself. And Cable also tricks Shire into having his influence backfire and make the crowd hate him. So now both timelines are destroyed. There's a C plot going on this whole time about how an archaeologist in the Sinai Desert who finds the sanctuary of Azazel, Azazel, many Bothans died to get this information, et cetera, et cetera. But he sends out, uh, he puts it on the internet, which Azazel doesn't know to check for and erase to keep the word from going out because the technology is too new. 
He just like puts it on a GeoCities website. Clarity picks it up, passes it along. So now we know where Azazel is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Man. It was, I bet he found it on Netscape Navigator. Oh, yeah. Fucking <laughs> search for that shit on Alta Vista. <laughs> so the, the whole conclusion thing, Cable goes to Sinai, now has uh, uh, Shire's former henchman, uh, Key and Wall, uh, in tow, also teams up with Beast and Gene because, hey, he's an X-Man now. He gets to call for help. And we learn that Azazel's place is a spaceship that has been sealed here for thousands of years. It's millions of years old. It's destroyed many worlds. And Azazel is the name of the ship's AI. Uh, the name translates to scorekeeper in their language. And the undying com- all competed to kill the most people on every you know like world they went to. And so all five undying go back to the ship and take up trophy bodies that had been held in the ship that they'd kept around from past conquests on different planets. So you get a bunch of cool looking aliens. Cool. Yeah. And we learned that the undying are energy beings created by an advanced far off species called the Sarayan, whose bodies were too fragile to leave their own planet, but they were super curious about the rest of the universe. So they created these immortal explorers, but accidentally made them into cosmic vampires who destroyed the Sarayan and then hundreds more worlds, etc. So the the solution to this whole thing is that they reprogram Azazel so that the undying can only inhabit cockroaches. Fuck cockroaches. They wanted wow. me to hate cockroaches even more. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Now I'm just thinking that every single cockroach that I kill in my apartment is just releasing the spirit of one of these undying to another fucking cockroach. But the idea for this is like cockroaches are, you know, relatively harmless, but will also, you know, will never go extinct. And so we'll never have to worry about these undying, you know, popping back into human bodies and really doing something terrible. Anyway, Ayla and Sandella, the the alternate Earth Aaliyahs, teleport Cable away and tell him that they're joining forces to create a new timeline together. They both smooch him. They both say, don't forget us. We'll be back. Spoiler alert. They will never be back. back. (laughs) 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 And another D plot, I guess, going through this arc, Cable's been having random visions of Rachel Summers in a cage and then being held hostage by a green-haired guy who introduces himself in a vision to Cable as named Gaunt. And that'll be our next story arc. Hmm. Yeah. The only green-haired guy I can think of is Gideon. Uh, (laughs) I was thinking Fitzroy, but yeah. Oh, yeah, Fitzroy. He he didn't have the ponytail. Yeah, it was interesting, right? Yeah, I I like the idea of timelines being rivals mm-hmm. that's pretty sweet considering how lax they are with time travel in marvel right. you'd think they'd you'd see that more <laughs> yeah no shit that's pretty funny. okay wolverine is pretty short on this one so it turns out you know i was sad that steve scrochi left cable or sorry left uh the gambit title this is where he went as writer and artist both so Wolverine visits Mariko's grave, runs into Silver Samurais, learns that 
uh, Mongolian mafia has muffled, muscled in on Clan Yashida's territory. Mongolians headed by the Kaishek family, who is headed by a guy named Han. So Wolverine's just hanging out with Yukio and Amiko. They're taken hostage by Han's brother. Han's brother is named Gom. Gom says go kill Han through a convoluted series of repeated double crossings and kidnappings of Yukio and Amiko. Uh, and it turns out that the Kaishek's sister, Kia, also kills Gom, then goes to Mongolia. So they kill Han and then Kia kills Gom. Kia also goes to Mongolia, kills their dad. Now she is, you know, she was portrayed through most of it as like, oh, she's the sane one. She's the friend, whatever. Now she is the consolidated head of the Kaishek mafia. Yukio goes to follow her to Mongolia for no other reason than to have Wolverine and Amiko and Samurai also follow her for another set piece fight scene. Otherwise, you know, there would be no reason for the storyline to continue. It'd just be self-contained in Mongolia, but whatever. I'm not complaining. It's a Steve Scroshi book, so there are cra- big, crazy fight uh, set-piece fight scenes, and, and those are really fun to watch. But also, like, none of it means anything. It, the story was crap because as much as I try to elevate the artist and, you know, as a comic writer and be like, no, no, no. Like, it's really the artist that makes the whole magic of the whole thing happen. Like, it turns out, like, you know, writing's kind of turns important. Turns out you need too. an actual plot to get Yeah. And, and there's just, like, things like sometimes having a writer who can just, like, deliver exposition in an interesting way. Like if 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 the artist is is also in, on writing duty and has to like insert exposition and they're just like oh god okay we'll have a couple pages of exposition where they're just standing around talking that'll be easy to draw right whereas the artist is like no fuck you you're drawing all this crazy fucking fight scene and uh, you know while the exposition dump happening so the reader you know is entertained during it and the writer uh, the artist curses the writer's name because they're making him do all this extra work etc. Not that I don't. You don't have that exchange. I've never had that personal experience. Of course not. So, yeah, there's a special thanks in here to uh, Lana Wachowski. And it turns out that uh, Scrochu, for like writing help on this. And it turns out that Scrochu was the storyboard artist for the Matrix trilogy. Hmm. Right? Interesting. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got this week. But I love that both of my, both of our last books were like, this happened, nobody cares, we're moving mm-hmm. on. <laughs> Completely inconsequential. But yeah. you know what? Now, now you, at least some part of your brain will be like, I wonder what happened during the like, you know, latter half of Wolverine, you know, Wolverine's first solo title. Yeah. You know? Dude, I... I feel I feel bad because like Wolverine having been around for 250 years, mm-hmm. like he has so many one-shot storylines. Yeah. That's just like, oh, dude, I don't care anymore. <laughs> like I get it. I I get I, I get it. I get what you're doing. Right? You, He's you run just away be, to Japan like 18 yeah, different you times. You just want to be left alone <laughs> and maybe mentor your teenage girl sidekick. And instead, somebody fucks with you the wrong way, uh, murders, uh, you know, some woman that you loved. Murders the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to go on and just brutally stab like 
30 people. I get it. Or maybe, maybe they just killed an animal, whatever it is. Like you're in Japan or you're in rural Canada or you're in wherever, or you're just in a bar and you're trying to mind your own business. It's the whole dirty, hairy thing. Anyway, Wolverine's a great character. He is. He is. He is a great character. He, it's, it's, oh man. It's funny because like people forget that he's also like a trained ninja and a trained samurai and, and a, a trained spy. And, and a spy and a soldier. Like he's he's right. served in two world wars. <laughs> Cause like I was playing <laughs> super tangential, but like I was playing midnight suns yeah. uh, on stream and like, Wolverine just popped up mm-hmm. and they're like, oh yeah, like Wolverine could sneak that way. He, he doesn't go in quiet. He's super loud. I'm like, well, <laughs> he's a trained ninja. I fully believe that he could sneak and, in. It's and fine. special ops spy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> there are entire storylines yeah. where he and Phantom X have like thief, like races <laughs> yeah. on who can steal the jewel first, but whatever. Whatever. And, and, I, I, I can't. Get mad at them for not knowing. Can't knock it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. So what are we doing next week? Well, well, is next week that time? I can do Krakoa if you if you can do Krakoa. Should we do Krakoa? Trials get- Volume Six came out last Tuesday, so you have yes. plenty of time. Oh, I ordered it. Here it is. Yeah. So Trial Six is out. It is here. Trials 5 has been out and Inferno has been out for months. Yeah. So is that what we're doing? Oh, please say yes. I'm so stoked. <laughs> okay. That works for me because half of this next week I'll be at Disneyland. So only having to read three books is a lot easier. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, so another another uh, Giant Size X title. Hell yes. And we will do our best to... Uh, Move through it a reasonable clip. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine because otherwise I was gonna have Edge of Spider-Verse and I just didn't want to read it. That's fair. But I also um, and the and the other Captain America title, but I also have the next Avengers title from Jason Aaron. <laughs> okay. So uh, it's gonna be a mixed bag when we get back to it. But anyway, <laughs> sure. okay. Trials five, six, and inferno. That's cool. that's uh next episode. Sounds great. All right. Well, then with that, let's just put the outro music here and then uh, there we go. We'll give we'll give Nibs just over. Is it? Yeah, it's it's not it's not three twenty. It's not four hours. I just put into two hours. My God, like our other X titles.